0: Come in everybody, great to see you all. Uh, we have the lovely Christine here today. We have the not so lovely myself, kind of lovely.
1: No, you're lovely, you're lovely oh. as well.
0: Bless don't talk you yourself
2: thing. down like that, Jared.
0: Sounded like fishing, is what I did. Yeah, yeah, I know. know right you compliment fishing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: today,
0: today, dear listeners, we are going to talk about um, a subject that has no shortage of content and no shortage of media. In the last uh, three years, you know it. You've guessed it. Well, this is our uh, so acclaimed COVID cast. We are going to talk about the church and pandemics. So a little bit of actually of uh, how we've historically, as the church, dealt with uh, you know, sickness and illness, particularly of the pandemic variety. Um, the approaches to vaccines that have been actually taken place historically. Um, and then spend quite a bit of time talking about actually contemporarily what's kind of been the engagement with the church around some of these ideas. Um, we know already, as we actually mentioned this, that you're going to be, you know, streaming ideas in your head about actually what kind of associations the church has, and it's why we've actually felt actually as a group of hosts actually this is a necessary topic to actually give some clarity to say we think there are some things the church are doing well. We think there are a lot of things that the church could be doing better um, so exactly why we want to actually talk about this today um, so before we can do all that we definitely need to roll through our intro why don't you take us away christine
1: Two or Three Gathered is a series of conversations with Christian brothers and sisters, considering their efforts and contributions to the kingdom vocationally, their stories and testimonies of God's sovereignty and grace, and an opportunity to tackle the relevant issues the church faces in the 21st century.
0: In this, we seek to equip the saints by networking within the body, starting the conversation around often taboo subjects, and seeking to develop unity across Christian denominations and traditions by opening up discussion on worthy, necessary topics.
1: We want to help educate the wider body of Christ by asking experts and people of wisdom across multiple fields the hot button questions and sophisticated questions that we believe there are answers for in Christ Church, but that there is not necessarily always access to.
0: We want to further the growth of knowledge and wisdom in ourselves, to worship God with our minds and fellowship with all of you, as we collectively seek to discern what God-glorifying discipleship looks like for us in our respective vocations and in our spheres of influence.
1: It is our heart and hope that Christ himself would be in our midst as we converse about things we believe he himself is very interested in.
0: Welcome twos and threes, thanks for getting with us. Um, so starting us off today I thought I would kick us off and actually just kind of go throughout, the, throughout history Uh, dynamic of this um and uh yeah maybe it's actually you know cold open you know probably a warm open you're pretty you're pretty knowledgeable about a whole bunch of stuff christine what's (laughs) (laughs) what's your knowledge about like the church and like sickness throughout church history not necessarily biblical history Churches. Right.
1: Um, I mean, the church has always been at the forefront of helping people who are sick and needy. And so I know that during times of plague and famine and all sorts of like serious crises, the church has historically been at the forefront of that, um, working particularly with orphans um, of Uh, plague and things, um, taking people in, helping feed them. Um, You have a lot of saints that um, are known for going out and into horrific situations and Mm -hmm. helping people who are struggling um, and going into situations uh, with lepers as well. Like the church was the place that set up kind of leper colonies when the Mm -hmm. rest of society hated lepers. Um, So there is this historical tradition of care and um concern for people who are very unwell um and uh almost a putting aside of of care and concern for themselves um and going and looking after people who are sick mm. um but there is also i mean i know that the church has always got two sides to it there is also historical stuff around the church not behaving very well and turning people away and shutting their doors on sick people and things like that as well so there is a kind of um it's a bit iffy, um, mm. and we look at the good stuff. We you tend to look at the good stuff and go, "Isn't this amazing?" But um, the stories we have of um, you know those amazing individuals—the reason they're stories of these amazing individuals because because it's not necessarily um, the the norm of the time mm. that mm. this is what people did, but they are still stories that um, we need to hold up. as kind of like this is incredible that these people did this and put themselves on the line. So, yeah, it's, it's to both end, and mm-hmm. I think that's how it is throughout history for everything with the church. It's both end. So, mm-hmm. yeah. See, that
0: was warm, you know. Oh, look, there's a good blow <laughs> There's a good blow. There's a good
1: <laughs> I'm just pulling it out, you know. I'm like, I know there's something <laughs> bad in the back of my head somewhere. Like, we'll make this work. Yeah. So, good. As long um, as I say it with authority, you know, people will think, I oh, know I'm talking about something, right? <laughs>
0: Um, i'm reminded um so in our 20 i I might get the numbers wrong here in our 21st and 22nd cast we interviewed with simeon hawkins Mm. Um, simeon actually mentioned a particular text to me recently because he's a colleague of mine at kingsway he mentioned a particular text um which the name escapes me now but basically advances this idea if jesus the person wasn't a thing like, if Jesus mm. actually in Christianity, and by extension, hadn't been developed, what would yeah. be the effect on history? What would be the effect on world history?
1: That'd be huge. it would right. be huge. And
0: yeah. so and so, one such idea that has been advanced is that the actual innovation of the hospital wouldn't mm. have actually been a thing. Um, so I did a bit
3: of – oh, go on.
1: See, I, I don't know, because I've heard stuff about hospitals and things definitely coming out of um, ancient – Near Eastern Muslim communities, a lot of um, Turkish, uh, like ancient Turk kind of area, there was Mm. a lot of stuff around health and things, so it may have looked very different, and it may Mm. have been accessible to different people, but I don't know if I would say that the hospital hospital itself in terms of looking after sick people wouldn't have happened, but the motivations might have been very different, and it might have not been open to all, but... Yes. yeah I don't know that's just a bit of pushback on that one but I mean love it love the pushback yeah. um,
0: <laughs> that's the, what I'm here for <laughs> the research I've done on this is by no means exhaustive uh, yeah. in fact the profession of doctor actually predates the innovation of the hospital yeah um, and yeah. It's, all, it's also mm. interesting to note that um, Greco- it, hospitals themselves as an idea they had a Greco-Roman origin
2: mm. um,
0: yeah. like particularly um, military infirmaries, like um, you mm. know, Romans were known for waging war all over the place, um, and they established military infirmaries um, as yeah. a way of actually caring for their wounded. But it yeah. in no way kind of resembled what we would typically expect of a hospital. No,
1: like no, I don't think it resembled kind of mm. open for all, open to the poor, open yes. to the plague victims, things yes. like that. I think that is definitely something that came out of kind of monastic. Um, view of humanity and looking after the the worst of the worst kind of thing um i think yeah so i I think it's it's the both and again it's the kind Mm. of the christian view and the world view of greco-roman worldview and things all coming together and forming Mm. a wonderful little society
0: well before mentioning say the uh what brought about kind of the first kind of rudimentary what we would recognize as a hospital by that kind of descriptor you gave it's important to note um that in 165 to 180 AD, and then later mm. on in 249 to 262 AD, mm-hmm. uh, there was uh, respectively the Antonine and Cyprian plagues. Um,
2: yeah.
0: And this was actually in Roman history, an instance mm. where Christians stood up. They, they definitely, you know, took a stand here. As much as mm-hmm. a quarter of a third of the population um, of the, uh, the roman population died at that time wow and christians interestingly they saw the way in which they looked after the sector uh, they, they were seen to be looking after the dying and the dead mm. with the respect for the imago day and people because yeah. the culture of the time is very much uh you know to flee the sick and afflicted oh you yeah. might get sick yourself right
1: absolutely yeah yeah and
0: so the, the christian motivation for hygiene and sanitation it doesn't arise in like self-preservation, but in this ethic of service to our neighbor. Mm. Um, They actually saw it, uh, early Christians creating like some of these first places of refuge um, to Mm. care for the sick during times of plague. Um, They actually understood it as that negligence would be tantamount to murder. And so they weren't actually willing to actually look it up. It's interesting as well. Like, um, there's a sociologist Rodney Stark he claimed that the mortality rates in cities with Christian communities may have been as much as half of that as compared with comparable cities during the plagues um purely because there was this um innovation of care like actually we're not just going to leave these people to kind of wither away and die um
1: some of these people might survive if we actually look after them yeah
0: exactly There there was even a particular Roman emperor um who Got incensed, and he started actually kind of like sending letters out to, you know, the various temples and the various priests in those temples to actually say, mm. "We need to lift up our game in terms of civil care for people who are sick because the Christians are t- like they're doing a bit of yeah. making us look bad." Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's so funny because they were actually they people were converting to Christianity because in those times people were being cared for by Christians and brought back to life, brought back to health. Yeah, Um, and
1: And their kids would have been looked after as well. That was another really big thing um, Mm. about monastic care in particular Mm. was that, um, I mean, often with uh, other kind of societies where it was just leave the sick to kind of either survive or not, depending on what happens with them, it's up to the gods or curses or whatever. Mm. The kids were kind of just left to fend for themselves While their parents were sick and dying, and things like that as well. And so, there was a huge mortality rate often among um, young children because Mm. their parents were sick and nobody was looking after them. And so, that idea of looking after the widows and the orphans and things that's very biblical, Mm. um, monastic orders kind of took that on. And so, a lot of children, I think, ended up surviving. And we actually ended up kind of not forced, but, you know, were turned into monks themselves because they had nowhere else to go. And that's kind of where um, monasteries kind of boomed is in those times where there were a lot of orphans and uh, a lot of people needing like dropping their kids off because they couldn't afford to look after them. And monasteries would take them in and raise them up and make them monks, and boom, power right there. And that's where it starts to get a little bit twisted. So, but I mean, it started off really nicely. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was a good heart at the beginning, and then, you know, yeah, but anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like, kind of like our modern day, you know, childcare, but we, Typically, do take them back at the end of the day, right? <laughs>
1: well, we do, we do, and we don't kind of expect them all to become teachers because no. they were raised by teachers, you know. Sure. I mean, who would do that? Teachers do the, that? Awful. the worst. I mean... <laughs> there, there
0: must be a correlation between, like, you know, teachers, kids often becoming teachers, though, I'm sure. My poor daughters. Sure. My poor daughters. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's funny because, like, our in laws are both teachers, and so mm. Steph is a teacher, her brother in law yeah. did it was a teacher for a time, and a teacher. Anyway, you know. Uh, I mean, my
1: mum my yeah. is a teacher. My brother is a teacher. My sister was a teacher. Um, yeah. I'm a pastor, which is basically a teacher. Like, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it does run in families often.
0: Well, I guess plague's the same. Like, if you get sick, your mum will get sick, and your dad will get sick, your <laughs> brother and sister's no. Actually, <laughs> all a curse. It's all a curse. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, this idea of uh, this Christian innovation, the first hospital that we've kind of been known as in the rudimentary manner, was attributed to a guy found um, out was named Saint Basil of Caesarea, also as, uh, associated with monasticism, um, and this was around um, 370 AD. It's kind of a little bit earlier, um, with within what was called um, historically the second medical revolution. No, and they, you know there has some attribution to actually the political innovations of Constantine. He was a very important mm-hmm. emperor. You know, like lo- well, love yeah. him or hate him, like he actually had yeah. a significant impact yeah definitely a significant impact on history um not just church history history full stop yeah um but it's interesting as well like i I make this as a note here quote this from this particular blog put this in as we always do link in the description um i quote this because this might be picked up on a little bit later um this theological and ecclesiastical influence manifestly shaped the ethics of medicine, but it even indirectly affected its science, since as its missionaries evangelized people of Western and Northern Europe, the church found itself in a constant battle against the use of magic and superstition in the work of healing. It championed rational medicine, along with prayer to counter superstition. Mm. So it's interesting that actually at that point in time, there was an association of uh, by Christians that actually science confirms what we're doing with faith. God's made a good world, uh, a world that can be harnessed, stewarded, and actually we can make use of these innovations, make use of knowledge to actually be curative, mm. to be purative, to actually help people in these kind of circumstances.
1: It is, it's interesting, though, because if we jump forward a few hundred, I don't know, thousand years or whatever, mm. to the kind of Middle Ages mm-hmm. um, where monasticism has um, a lot of power, Mm-hmm. And and um, that's, a, there's a lot of the kind of, you know, buy this medallion of the saint and you will be protected against death and that superstition stuff starts mm-hmm. creeping back in and I think it's a battle that the church has constantly gone backwards and forwards on I would say that now it almost and I'll talk to this a bit later but like the hyper spirituality of today kind of ties in a little bit to the swing back to almost um, mm. little bit of superstition a little bit of kind of like well if we just say the right words and do the right things then god won't let us get sick or Mm -hmm. everybody who's sick will be healed um and i think you see that constant kind of pendulum in um christian the christian walk with health and i think it's that walking the the now and not yet um of of living in a fallen world where we have hope for everybody being resurrected and healed Mm -hmm. um and and the life after this but We live in a world where people are still sick and still dying and Mm. we have to accept that as well and that's a really hard line for people to walk because they don't like accepting both because it's hard to accept both that are in such contradiction with each other um so yeah it's the i'll I'll talk a little bit about that later but i do find that a very interesting pendulum throughout christian history
0: no i think that's important to actually note like Oh, there's, there's, I wanted to jump down that rabbit hole with you, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll back I to know, that. I know. We could
1: end up talking about all this stuff for hours. I mean, church history in itself is fascinating. Then you throw in all the health stuff and it just gets, oh, there are so many rabbit holes, so many. What a rabbit it's hole. So interesting. Hey, yeah, it, it, love it. it. Should,
0: I just want to mention here briefly as well, like when we're talking about, say, kind of pandemics in history, it would be kind of, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but it'd be unfitting if we didn't mention actually the uh the significance of the black plague within history oh yeah
1: black death yeah
0: um basically this was just you know the world had never seen uh sickness of this Mm. scale, right um
1: it wiped out whole villages yes they're known as plague villages they could they still dig them up and stuff where there are villages that just wiped out in a generation
0: Hmm. i mean like looking about the mortality rates for treated individuals this is treated individuals and this is today Um, you know, we can't imagine how much worse, like how much of basically a death sentence it was to have plague at that point in time. Mm. Mortality rates for treated individuals today range from 1% to 15% for bubonic plague and to 40% for septicemic plague. Um, And in untreated victims, so this is within 24 hours, the rates rise to about 50% for bubonic plague and 100% for septicemic plagues. Yeah. let me just let that last point, let that register. If you're not gonna get help for uh the septicemic train of pl- of the black plague, within twenty four hours you will die. Yeah. It's as it's as certain as I state. mean
1: it wiped out a third of all of Europe, didn't it? That's right. Like That's it right. it was it was massive. Like mm. and it, the the economic fallout to entire ways of life and Mm -hmm. you know like whole farming villages just gone overnight and Mm -hmm. you know and you think of and out of that came a lot of famine and a lot of just complete social upheaval Mm -hmm. and a loss of um like teaching and things that was passed down and so I mean that's why it kind of uh you know they call it the the dark ages because there was just this massive um hole because Mm. of all these deaths. And you think Mm. of all the wisdom and knowledge and things that disappeared Mm. as well. Mm. And it's just, it's horrific. It is horrific what people went through and they had no idea where it was coming from Mm. either. Mm. And so that's why you see that superstition thing. Like if you buy this medallion, then God will protect you because they had no idea how to Mm. protect themselves from this. Mm. Um, Mm. And so superstition is a very easy thing to fall into when it seems like it's a curse from God. Mm. So what else can you do? You
0: know, mm, mm. it's so it like, I mean, like you mentioned the one third of Europe, um, mm. the number I have here is 25 million in five years, like staggering numbers, you know, like, five I, can't, I just can't
1: even imagine that, like, if yeah. that happened, if that was happening with COVID mm. um, at that level of, mm. of death rate, mm. it would be I just, it would be catastrophic for the world. Mm. It would just mm. be absolutely catastrophic. Mm. Um Yeah. And we need to remember when we talk about pandemics today, and COVID, we are not talking about what it was like for people before there was medicine and and healthcare and all that kind of thing. And we need to be really grateful that even though we are facing pretty crappy times, Mm. we are in a place where we can access healthcare, and we Mm. can access stuff that um, and knowledge and information even about how stuff is transmitted and things like that. Mm. Um, We are in a much better place and history to deal with this stuff.
0: Yes, yes. Which is like why one thing I'll say here well, we definitely want to end with some, you know, and sprinkle throughout like some pieces of advice, Christian worldview, weighing in on the stuff. Mm the advancement of medical health, you know, theologically I hold that as like, that is a provision of God that we actually have, you know, like it's, it's not, it hasn't escaped, you know, instances of corruption or instances Mm. of abuse because sin affects all of society. Sure. But that said, like the fact that we have a good, you know, we have something that actually is, has stayed people from actually dying actually is a provision of God. God has oh, life, access to physical yeah. means and supernatural means, natural means and supernatural yeah. means to accomplish his purposes. And yeah. so we ought to actually be thankful for the provision in God there.
1: Oh, totally. Um, I mean, if you think about it, if we were born what, a thousand years ago. Mm. You know, I mean I'm I'm thirty seven. Mm. I probably wouldn't have made it to thirty seven. Like the chances I would have had 15 kids, probably two survived, and I'd be dead, you know, like, that's, that's the reality of, of how far our medical system Sorry. actually helps people, you know, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. would have happened, it would have ha- like, that's, that's the reality. And people mm-hmm. knowing that their kids were more than likely not going to meet, reach adulthood. And,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, like, we are so lucky to be able to raise our kids and expect them to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, there are parts of the world where that's still not a reality for a lot of families. And, We need to keep that in perspective when we are talking about stuff like this, because it can seem really overwhelming and very exhausting when we're talking about COVID and about, you know, like the stuff that just seems like it's really heavy. Mm. But for us, particularly in the West, we can raise our children and look at our families and have a reasonable expectation that they will survive. And that is something to keep in mind when we talk about all of this stuff, because that's really something to be grateful for.
0: Praise God to that, honestly. Amen. Um, So uh, the other thing I was only just going to mention there is that uh, collectively it is said that the Black Plague killed as many as 200 million. Um, that's, That's, you know, getting close to, like, probably... Yeah. Anyway, like huge, huge, huge proportions That's massive. of people. Massive. We can't. I mean, we we have five million
1: in our country. Like, yes. I can't even. I can't even think of that many people.
0: <laughs> well, 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 even the twenty-five million before, like, um, twenty-five million in five years. We have about five million. That's population in New Zealand every year. Um yeah. in The five years it took to wipe like, out a third of Europe.
1: Which is crazy.
0: So let's shift a little bit. Actually, talking about say the um, the innovation of the first vaccine. Um, which was actually known historically as the smallpox vaccine. So in 1796, there was a uh, British physician named Edward Jenner, um, and he noted that actually, uh, like, so just to qualify this first, there were as many as like 400,000 people dying annually at that time because of smallpox, Not nowhere near the proportions of so black plague, but it was obviously mm-hmm. having a dramatic it's a impact, huge amount. And particularly mm-hmm. on children, like young people, yeah. young people um, were having a... You know severe reactions to smallpox mm. so edward jenner noted that actually there were dairy maids who were working with um cows um and they were getting something called uh cowpox which is kind of like a a less worse strain of smallpox basically they were getting right like these, yeah these pussy sores you know from working with cows um mm-hmm. but for some reason they didn't seem to be susceptible to smallpox i don't know how he observed this i don't know he confirmed this but that's so the history goes and so this part's a little gross but you know he essentially what he did is he uh injected and retracted like a pus from these pox uh from the women and uh took a small boy and injected the pus into Uh. boy it's gross i know yeah found that actually uh it was curative of smallpox and like it actually prevented staved off I mean, it's pox.
1: basically a very, very, very primitive form of vaccine. Yes, <laughs> I mean, it, you're introducing it to the body, right? Yes, it's like yes. Yeah.
2: So it's Like it was... an early
1: chickenpox party. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Just, <laughs> and the po- pass off. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> what well, poor kid got put up for that one? He's <laughs> a hero.
0: He's a hero. That he guy. is.
1: Is he named? <laughs> <laughs> he be. Jenna got a whole
0: lot of praise. Yeah. Where's this
1: kid's name?
0: <laughs> Where's the dairymaid's name? Say, so, like, oh, you know, yeah, straight Come on. on. Come on. Yeah. Oui. Um, but what's interesting is some of kind of the, the social reactions to the, some of this stuff, right? Because, like, Louis Pasteur, Pasteurization, there was no germ theory at mm. this point in time in history and in medical history. Mm. Um, Edward Jenner could only kind of actually argue this from, say, a, like, pragmatic perspective. It's like, it, it worked. It's worked, it yeah. Have been shown <laughs> and understood yeah. why it worked, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but this started being touted like actually like, you know, this works and this is effective and we'll cure people. Mm. Um, and so we had actually in reaction to the first vaccine, we had a, the first anti-vax movement. People actually suspected, um, uh, they'd have side effects such as like blindness and deafness and ulcers, a gr- gruesome skin condition called cowpox mange, and some people even suggested, and they had pamphlets for this, that you'd you'd sprout hooves and horns by getting the, uh, the cowpox vaccine, right, the smallpox vaccine.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you don't know why that works, I mean, mm. it makes sense that you'd go, you know, like, this is weird, mm. you're injecting us with cowpox. Mm-hmm. so gross yeah
0: yeah so you actually you actually had like uh during this time it was one of the largest mass movements of the 18th century wow. um because people had religious and their political and medical reasons that they would not mm-hmm. they would not actually take a, a vaccine um yeah you no know, verging in a kind of hysteria really but um yeah it you see already there's kind of some like resemblance to what we actually see today you had um tens of thousands of people who take to the streets and they brandished signs such as uh this was one i liked um better a felon's cell than a poisoned babe right, um, yeah. so following the mandate um the, the the protests were no longer limited to the vaccine itself just reading a quote i have here um, under the va- rather the vaccine became a magnet for broader distrust in government like today, people in the middle part of the 19th century when vaccination is made compulsory, us experiencing an enormous upheaval in terms of the political environment, the scientific and medical environment, technological change, new information, new connectedness, everything's changing so fast, said uh, Mm. uh, Kirsten Hussey. She was a historian of medicine and author of Imperial Bodies in London. Mm. Vaccination really just becomes a lightning rod for a lot of these concerns Mm. around the individual and the state
1: i understand those concerns i mean if you had no idea how it worked, mm. it would seem like a very scary thing to give to your children mm. you know like it would be terrifying um mm. and if there's a whole lot of mixed messages out there about what it will do mm. like you're going to be you're going to be pretty freaked out i understand that completely yeah.
0: um but what uh, also ought to be noted in the case of smallpox um is that it was more or less eradicated by this vaccine um yeah it took a long took a long time but it did actually have the desired effect yeah um jump forward a little bit um it's worth talking about um jonas Salk and the polio vaccine right um mm, have you heard yeah. about this guy
1: i haven't heard about the guy but i know about the polio vaccine because polio oh. was it was scourge it was horrible
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um yeah so i mean can... we still take polio vaccines
0: that's right that's right yeah. so particularly children were affected by this on a horrible scale They'd yeah the be... You know paralyzed and in, in, in many cases some cases many cases they would die from it yeah. um
1: and this definitely. isn't that long ago
0: no that's right
1: i mean there are there are people like in our grandparents age who have had polio
0: mm-hmm. um yeah and it's scars, it was, right like some people yeah just yeah like scars scarfing. and
1: some of them like um had to relearn how to walk um mm. like or they'll have those big iron compression chambers that they right. would put them in and yeah i mean this is this is all kind of public record that you can go and look at photos because mm. it's well only in the 1950s 60s or something that started being mm. eradicated
0: mm. um what's particularly interesting about the salt vaccine is that he chose not to patent the vaccine or seek any profit from it because nice. he actually thought, like, I can maximize distribution, it will get out there, more people will use it if I don't try to seek any kind of compensation for it. And his I idea is I approve
1: of that. I love that. And his idea <laughs> yeah, worked. that's amazing. Um, yeah.
0: Um, people, there was um, one particular institution that tried to actually get a patent on it, but um, the particular approach it was like it was too novel to be able to actually say oh this is something this is distinct like you know mm, anyone right, could yeah, do yeah. this yeah. and so like uh essentially he what he wanted to happen worked um mm. quoting from the the golden source wikipedia <laughs> an immediate oh. rush oh, of course an immediate yeah. rush to vaccinate began in both the united states and around the world Many countries began polio immunization campaigns using Salk's vaccine, including Canada, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, West Germany, the Netherlands, Switzerland, and Belgium. By 1959, the Salk vaccine had reached about 90 countries. Um, In less than 25 years after the release of Salk's vaccine, domestic transmission of polio had been eliminated in the United States. Wow. Yeah. Which is like crazy to think that it was... um, yeah basically in uh, 1955 is when he yeah. actually first made it available yeah um crazy to think that it was that successful um, I mean we he... we
1: give we give polio drops to our kids now mm. because it's and and you don't see polio in the community at all mm. um but if we stop giving it to the kids it may come back
0: yes that's true you know so at this point it's worth it's worth noting like we see obviously the smallpox vaccination work there are other vaccines that actually are uh, had you know more or less success uh mm-hmm. the polio vaccine these are certainly touted as two very successful vaccines mm-hmm. so you know we're looking at the history we're looking at the record and thinking well, so where does some of the skepticism originate um from today so there were two particular sources that a lot of um anti-vax rhetoric and sentiment really stems from today others as well um but in 1982 there was a documentary on uh dpt the dpt vaccine it's called um dpt vaccine roulette um just see if i can pick this up for a second and dpt stands for uh diphtheria pertussis and tinnitus, tinnitus right Tetanus, yeah. Yeah, tetanus. Um, so in this particular documentary, just a second ago, forgive me. Um, that hi- this documentary highlighted stories of patients and doctors claiming that children developed seizures and permanent brain damage after this vaccine. Um, Was that true? Well, it says here in this particular article that they actually took research out of context to s- attack the safety of the vaccine. Um, but it actually had a desired effect of leading to decreased vaccination rates um, and lawsuits against the vaccine manufacturers. Right, um, yeah. And it nearly destroyed the American vaccine manufacturing industry, um, but they it resulted in 1986. They created a Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, which was basically a way where you could... Uh, you could file claims to the federal government to actually say, you know, well, this is where I I was caused harm by a particular vaccine. And they could actually compile it and address and actually see Mm. as their consistency Mm. in these claims. Um, But yeah, more or less like a, it was taking these instances of like, you know, the rare side effects, you know, the crazy exceptions and saying like, Oh, well, this must be indicative of the the vaccine as a whole. Um, Mm. So that was one that actually, uh, had still affected kind of the rhetoric of anti-vax rhetoric for some mm-hmm. particular documentary. Also, in uh, 1998, there was a British physician called Andrew Wakefield. Um, he released an infamous study, now infamous. Yeah, uh, it's been by... totally
1: debunked, hasn't it?
0: Yes. Well,
1: yeah.
0: I'll get to that. Right. Like, um,
1: sorry, sorry, jumping in. Okay, here. <laughs> no, no, it's
0: okay. Um, that claimed that the MMR vaccine uh, caused inflammatory bowel disease and autism that when the mm. vaccine reacted in the intestines it released a, to- a neurotoxic chemical that would actually mm. cause autism in the brain um yeah.
1: and that's led to massive anti-vax kind of things in, in our generation of parents and mm. that's why there's now outbreaks of measles and stuff that happen in schools that's right in auckland there was one because people are not getting the mmr even mm. though measles was pretty much wiped out
0: Mm, that's right i mean it's it's a curious one like looking at some of the history because uh basically uh there, there were people who actually they found wakefield's true intentions but it was that he'd been funded by lawyers who were working with the parents of the children in the study to try and mm. find a reason to sue the vaccine manufacturers so mm. on the face of that that seemed real suspect but it's mm. curious that today even still today uh, this particular man remains an anti-vaccine advocate. So right, okay. you could actually say it's like, okay, that seems furious, but he's he's stuck to his convictions on the back of the study that he actually mm. found. Mm. Um, something, yeah. for, something for you to wipe yourself.
2: Anecdotally, yeah. uh,
0: I, I wanted to mention here as well, like um, I actually have an aunt who uh, had a bad case of the, I forget the particular vaccine, Um, but when she was about, uh, five or six years old, by Mm. my, um, by my aunts and uncles and my mum's recollection, they actually say she was a normal, you know, happy-go-lucky six-year-old, you know, as you'd expect any, you know, typical Mm. six-year-old to be, um, she Mm. had this vaccine, um, and she spent pretty much the, the rest of her life in, like, in care, um, Mm. she, she's had, you know, uh, grand male epidural seizures you know you know sometimes in more regularity sometimes less mm. um symptoms that are very much resembling autism uh mm. yeah like she's she's lived with that in all of her adult life all of her you know the rest mm. of her childhood um yeah and she just lives up in kaitai in, in a kid uh, aged care facility now but yeah. it's for me it's an instance of like, I, I do understand some of the skepticism, right? Like, uh, a little bit of a thing you might not know about I me mean, when I was being groomed by the pyramid scheme USANA, <laughs> you know, those guys, they do the multi Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I had
0: a guy, like, you know, he met me when I was working at Kathmandu, and like, I, I went to a couple of conferences. Like, yeah. I was, no, I was interested for a while. I tried you some of them.
2: Sucker. <laughs> I know, I know
0: well uh, it must be a placebo because I was trying yeah. it's like oh my gosh it feels so healthy like <laughs> where can you get me more of this stuff <laughs> so like when I was kind of in those circles I kind of like I was at first exposed to that idea of corruption in big pharma mm. or medical institution I also read like about a year before that um Ian Wishart's book Totalitaria which yeah, is you know
2: that, yeah.
0: there's some there's some pretty compelling stuff there it, it ends mm. with kind of a very kind of spurious kind of wild conclusion <laughs> mm. um and but you can definitely take parts of that where it's like I, I i look at some of this stuff and it's like you know not all of it is true but i reckon there's some of it that's true and it's like i don't know enough to be like you know which parts of it are true and which are not so i defer to kind of experts in this instance right
1: yeah right. absolutely
0: so, so it's like
1: i I guess with i mean i'm
0: sorry no i I guess i was just going to say like this idea of dissent in the medical Mm. profession being quashed unless Mm. it's rigorous peer-reviewed study is accomplished um that can also be subject to bias and kind of be stopped at any stage of the process right Mm. it's kind of stuck with me and it's why like i have skepticism about uh these vaccines and the associated politicization of all Although I don't doubt that, by and large, good work is done, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's everyone had to make the moral decision when the the you know the vaccine mandate came around in New Zealand when the vaccinations like drive campaign was ramping up to actually say, will I choose to get vaccinated myself or not? I didn't necessarily. Well, I didn't have a problem with vaccination as a concept. I was kind of like, what's the safety data on these particular vaccines? Yeah, because that's what I'm not sure of. Even after having yeah. been doubly vaccinated, just yeah just put that out there. That's
1: how I feel. Yeah, so am I. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm double vaxxed and mm. um was quite happy to do that at, at the beginning. And I but I think we would be naive to think that medical professions cannot be corrupted. No. Um and that yes. pharmacy professions cannot be corrupted and no. are not in it yes. for money. Um there are definitely people who are pushing for health breakthroughs and things purely on the basis of helping people Mm -hmm. um but the corporations and medical companies and politics and everything we we like to think people have our best interests at heart but that is not Mm -hmm. always the case and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is really hard with this whole continued COVID thing because the longer it's gone on the more medical professionals are coming out and saying they have serious concerns and Mm -hmm. i'll have uh i have a couple of links that i'm not sure if i shared with you jared yet but there was Mm -hmm. one where it's a round table discussion of a whole lot of um medical professionals doctors and things who are really concerned um and then you have a statement by the world health organization coming out and saying vaccines there's not enough data to support vaccines for under 19 year olds and yet our government at the moment is pushing for five to 19 year olds to get vaccinated against what the who is saying so you know when you start seeing that happening a couple of years down the track and you start seeing doctors um there was a heart surgeon who's put out a thing like saying that myocarditis um heart uh Irregular heartbeats that can and heart damage that can kill is becoming really problematic in young men because of the vaccine. And he's like begging people under the age of twenty five not to get the vaccine. Mm. Um, you know, when you start hearing this stuff, and it's gaining more voices. As we go on, particularly with the boosters, people mm. saying that the more you get vaccinated, the more problems we're gonna have um, in our bodies and and in turn the people who have been vaccinated more and have more boosters are actually passing on the virus more easily than those who are unvaccinated. Mm. You know, when you start hearing this from mm. medical mm. professionals,
2: mm. um
1: and more and more voices joining that and it's not just anecdotal stuff it's actual oh. medical journals and things yes. Yes. that becomes very very concerning <laughs> and you have to start going mm. maybe it got pushed through a little too fast
0: well that's maybe that's where we you need wanna... to just
1: hold off a little bit you know yeah
0: that's where you want to trust the standardization profession right because i can understand that peer pressure element where this is one dissenting voice it's like yeah. no no shut that person up it's like they don't know what you're yeah. talking about it's like, but when more we're...
1: and more people
0: yeah which is problematic because it's like you know like if you have a course of action we're all going this way and like it's the established course of action and this is why all the reasons we should do it and it's like oh i don't Mm. think you shut up over there you like yeah yeah but but when they actually have more voices it's like actually should we have been kind of giving some consideration of what this person was saying in the first place i mean
1: yeah you can't it's the one yeah
0: you can't live life like that right like you can't
1: no I mean, I, I'm I'm all about doing your own research, but I also realize that a lot of people have COVID fatigue and they are sick of talking about this stuff and they are sick of hearing about it and they don't have the emotional energy or the time to go do the research. And so it is easier just to take what your people in power are telling you to do as gospel. Mm -hmm. you know because that's easier and it is easier and Mm -hmm. you know people who Mm -hmm. have got their kids vaccinated because that's what the government is telling them to do kudos to you you know because you're trying to do the best with the information that you have Mm -hmm. and i think that's really good of you you know but i Mm -hmm. also see more and more doctors risking their careers Mm -hmm. to come out and say that this is not okay and they've got serious concerns about boosters Mm -hmm. particularly boosters not so much the original vaccines it's the boosters and the continuation of getting vaccinated, mm. um, that I, I really I really encourage people, like, just go read the WHO statement about children getting the vaccine and just start mm-hmm. there, you know? Because mm. it's actually, like, really important that you understand this for yourself mm. and make the decisions based on actual information coming from sources that you know. Um, mm. Because, you know, we've got to, it's not just us, it is our kids, mm. and we've got to think about that.
0: Yes, I so agree with that. Um, I mean like you know disclaimer like like the politicization of this is so rank right like i see like you know governments is they're gaining unprecedented levels of control and like you know by definitely peddling a kind of fair point in these kind of situations like uh-huh. you know um like i don't believe this is the disclaimer i don't believe like there's this new world order <laughs> that there's, there's some kind of satanic cabal it's not the mark um, of the
1: beast or anything yeah, it's like not that. the mark it's
0: of the beast just... like that this is happening right um yeah simply because i feel one that's spurious, and two the genuine instances of groups like the illuminati or like you know luciferian satanism and everything like sure there might be the odd like you know uh executive producer in hollywood or something <laughs> you know maybe subscribe to somebody's belief but they're far and few between, right? Like, they're, they're not enough people. There's not enough of these people to kind of affect meaningful change, especially with the, the plethora of competing voices, right? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I say yeah. it's more money motivated. I would yeah. say it's less superstition and way more money. you know. Yes, and I know yes. I know. Uh, Luke and I were talking this morning about how New York churches are being offered 100 to $200 per person that they can convince to get vaccinated in their wow. congregations.
2: So gross.
1: Um, up to $200,000 per church is available. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, now the money is now politically pushing churches to... Mm-hmm. Do things that may be against their conscience. And if you've got a church that's really struggling, it could be very easy for somebody to be seduced into that. And I'm not saying that those yeah. pastors are evil or anything like that. I'm they're saying human. that they're human and yeah. often between a rock and a hard place. And I'll yeah. talk a bit about that later. But it's um it's there's a lot of money in vaccines. Yeah. You okay. know, like
3: Bill Gates has been um, coming out
1: and saying, oh, there's going to be amazing growth in the vaccine industry and yay for them kind of thing. Like, <laughs> I mean, there is money to be had money. here. There's money. Money. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Caleb was telling me, um, I think it was Caleb, that um, the person, you know, basically on this important board in the States for you know, media, you know, media in the States, you know, there's this, uh, there's this great conglomerate who basically own all the major media, mm-hmm. media companies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The there United are like two
1: States. big, yeah. yeah, and they own all of them. Yeah, and
0: so there's um there's a person on the board on that particular board, mm. and then there's a particular person who's on that same person is on the board of Pfizer, the Pfizer vaccine. It's like yeah basically people are you know putting it out there, it's like, is that not a conflict of interest? Yeah. I feel like there's oh, a conflict totally of is. interest. Right? Yeah.
1: And then yeah. you've got, uh, particularly in America, and American politics mm-hmm. has a huge impact on politics worldwide, because we see what's going on in America, and then people will start doing protests in New Zealand for Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter when it didn't actually impact New Zealand whatsoever, that mm-hmm. particular movement, even though, you know, like, just, anyway. Um, you know, American <laughs> politics causes problems around the world, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there are lobbyists in American politics, who have a lot of money. So they will be people from Pfizer, who have so much money, who will be going to their senators of their region and saying, we will give you millions of dollars, if you push what we're selling. Mm -hmm. And, and so they'll push it through government things and all this kind of so there is masses of money to be made Mm. and because if it goes through in america then it tends to have a trickle down effect in a lot of other countries particularly Mm. new zealand Mm. and you know we've just got to be really careful and follow the money Mm. that's what i was like follow the money
0: what i what i don't understand around some of this is like uh so like when covid was first like you know on the scene right back mm. in 2020, early 2019. Yeah. There was predicted that it would be like a seven to eight percent fatality rate from the Yeah and there were
1: videos of people dropping in the streets in China and just dying nice. like like death kind of deaths. You know, yes. like,
0: like I none have some, of that's happened. No, I have some numbers here from um uh my dear dad podcast number 10 for those who were interested
2: <laughs> um but he particularly <laughs>
0: he, um he put a particular uh He put a particular article up and gave a summary on his Facebook page. He also has a website, which he runs articles off of interest. Um, He said here that actually when COVID first hit in 2020, there were estimates that it could kill as many as 490 million people worldwide and 350,000 in New Zealand. Almost all of our early responses were based on these numbers. Um, We now know that these numbers were completely wrong. The global mortality death rate from COVID has been about 5.5 million, 3.5 mm. million, 2021. And that means that COVID kills at a rate, which is slightly higher than 100th of the rate based on our strategy. Mm. Um, and
1: most of those are people with comorbidities.
0: Yes. They are it's yes.
1: not killing people who are healthy, mm. fit, you know young like that's not who it's killing there are the odd outliers on that one but it is mainly people with comorbidities and we've got to remember that as well we've also got to remember that when it comes to COVID statistics it has now been proven that if somebody has a is killed in the states by a gun they will test the body for COVID, and if the COVID Test comes out positive, it is actually put down as a COVID-related death, even if it's like a gunshot wound to the head. So we have to be aware that there is monetary gain for yeah. hospitals yeah. to say that there are COVID deaths happening. Yeah. Um, particularly in the States. Yeah. And you can look this stuff up. This is not tin hat bunker conspiracy theory stuff. This is actually legit. We'll get to that. Um, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but <laughs> so just just be aware that even those statistics that we have yeah. could be inflated. They could beyond what is actually the reality and so at the worst it's kind of like 5.5 million people
0: yeah like uh, I mean the the response with lockdown last year in New Zealand uh, in you know most of the countries around the world Mm. that was appropriate because we didn't know like 10 had no idea yeah, 10, 10% mortality rate is like end of days proportions. Like, this is like oh, biblical plague proportions, yeah. right?
1: Absolutely. If 500,000 people dropped dead mm. in New Zealand, that yes. would be economically disastrous for us. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it would be just horrendous. It would be every family in New Zealand would have somebody who had died. Think like, economy.
2: think about the economy. <laughs> well, no, no, but it would, <laughs> no, it
1: no, would no. have been like, it would have been horrific if yeah. that many people had died in New Zealand. And we are mm-hmm. a small country. So, that kind of number is like massively. Mm you know, like powerful when it comes to just running our country. Um, And when we saw videos of people falling down and dying in the streets, That's what we thought was going to be happening. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Those videos have disappeared and Mm -hmm. nobody talks about them anymore. But yes, it's it's all very, very interesting. interesting. That's when my little tinfoil hat comes out. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not a conspiracy nut. I got double vaccinated. I'm all about, you know, being careful and following like particularly masks and things like that and caring Mm -hmm. for the vulnerable and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But I'm also like, be aware that it's not always what it seems.
0: Yeah, be discerning. I think is the yeah. is the biblical. Do your there, research. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, like the the morbidity rate is kind of expected to be closer to like one one point seven three percent now, um, which is oh, what's the other? I mean the
1: mortality rate?
0: rate. Yes, the mortality rate. Sorry, yeah, not yeah, comorbidity. Right.
2: Yeah,
1: Good yeah. To
0: clarify that.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, like uh, another point that actually uh, Dad mentioned here. Uh there's being about 5.5 million around the world. While it's still a lot of people, it actually makes COVID just the fifth most serious cause of death in 2021. And I know, I was just going to say the four more serious causes of death that year killed 42 million people worldwide compared to that 5.5 million.
1: And we are not, I want it to be very clear. We are not minimizing the, the horror and the grief that families who have lost people to COVID have gone through. Um, I mean, I know a family I'm very close to. Their father has has died recently because of mm-hmm. COVID, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know it's it's horrific, and it's a lot of these people are dying alone because their mm-hmm. families aren't allowed in to see them, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of fear and. Um, families are being ripped apart by this. And mm. we are not minimising that at all. When we are talking about this, we're not mm. saying that it doesn't, it's only 5.5 million people. That's still mm. the population of our country. Like, that, mm. that's, mm. that's huge. That is a lot of people and a mm. lot of families. And we are totally grieved that that mm. people are facing that. Mm. But we have to be also realistic about what's happening. Yes. Um, and, and the truth of what's being said and where it's not truth as well.
0: Hmm. Um. And I think like that's probably a point where you have some uh, points that you want to raise here, Christine, and you want to actually make here, and uh, I can take the back seat and just going to pull my hands up. And, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but it's it's relevant here. Like it's a good segue to actually addressing well, what's contextually going on. Um.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, contextually, it's it's so in in my sector so i'm a pastor so i work with people um through my church uh, tibchurch.com just saying putting that out there the um
3: invisible
1: body. yeah the invisible body for people oh. who are not seen or cannot get to their church and so oh. are not visible as part of the body anyway um the people i work with uh, tend to have illnesses and oh. illnesses that when it comes to COVID, is very scary um because I, I know people who are living in places where there are a lot of anti-mask and anti-vax things going on and they have uh, illnesses that if they contract COVID, they will die mm. um, and it's just their reality and so they aren't able to leave the house and that is really scary for them and so we have to be very aware that when we talk about this, it's, there is a lot of genuine fear out there for the people who are most at risk Mm. um and and most vulnerable to contracting this disease
2: Mm.
1: and i think that's really um where the church comes into this Mm. because we are called to be with the most vulnerable so what i want where my heart is and where my a lot of my research around this stuff has been is around church and how are we um responding to Mm. covid and and what are we doing so it's particularly in the new zealand church because that's where i have most of my contacts um Mm. so if you're watching this and you're outside of the new zealand system it probably is a little bit different but just bear with me um Mm. so actually starting with a church that is not in new zealand um one of the big churches john Macarthur's church i think it's called grace church Mm. um he right back at the beginning when um the state said that churches weren't allowed to meet to worship. Um, They had to close their doors because of COVID. Um, Their church said no, they weren't going to do that because Christ, not Caesar, is the head of the church. And they have a whole, we'll put the link up, but they have a whole um, statement about this where basically it uh, basically says, you know, because Christ is the head of the church, not the state, therefore the state has no right to tell us how to worship, um, because God has not granted civic rulers authority over doctrine, practice, or policy uh, policy of the church. Right now, we have to understand that this is a very American viewpoint. So it is in their constitution that they are um, allowed to separate church and state so the state is not allowed to have a voice in the church so it's in the first amendment um congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press and so it's all about you're allowed to do what you want basically right and so grace church went we're not doing this because this is against our first amendment rights Um, There was huge backlash about it, and they got really vilified in the press. Um, And then it ended up earlier this year, um, they ended up getting paid $400,000 from the local government because of the fact that their First Amendment rights were actually in jeopardy by telling them that they weren't allowed to worship. Now, we have to remember in the New Zealand context, we do not have the Constitution. We actually don't have the right to say that the church isn't allowed to be dictated to by the state. Now, there is this kind of unspoken thing where it's like the church is its own thing and it does its own thing, but it does still fall under governmental rules. Um, We don't have it in our constitution. As far as I know, I could be wrong if somebody wants to fact check me, (laughs) that like the Americans do, there is no rights around this.
3: Hey guys, Caleb here, just doing some editing and jumping in for said fact check. Sorry for the poor audio quality. I'm doing this with my laptop microphone. Uh, In Aotearoa, we are afforded this right by the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act 1990, Section 15, the manifestation of religion and belief, which reads: Every person has the right to manifest that person's religion or belief in worship, observance, practice, or teaching, either individually or in community with others, and either in public or in private. We are also afforded this right by the UN's Universal Declaration of Human Rights, Article 18. Everyone has the right to freedom of thought, conscience, and religion. This right includes freedom to change his religion or belief, and freedom either alone or in community, with others, and in public or in private to manifest his religion or belief in teaching, practice, worship, and observance.
1: Um, And what I, though I understand from a political point of view where Grace Church was coming from, I had a few concerns about the other things they were saying. So they had um, a facing COVID-19 without fear statement as well, where basically they were saying that... Anyone who uh, has COVID or whatever, basically, uh, how do I sum this up without giving them the wrong impression? Um, basically, Jesus is stronger than COVID, which I agree with. So therefore, people should be allowed to join and worship and do whatever they want because it's not as bad as we think. Um, John MacArthur also came out and and talked about fake pandemics and all this kind of thing, um, and so he kind of went to the extreme the other way. Which I didn't agree with because he, he kind of put it down to if you don't have faith, then you'll follow what the government's saying. And I thought that was really wrong. Um it's because
0: oversimplification, it's, isn't
1: it? Over, yeah. And so what they're and also what they're saying about church and saying, you know, it is our right to meet as a community, as a church. I agree with that. I, I totally believe that the church is there to provide community, communion, preaching, and pastoral care. Those are my four big ones. If a church is providing community, communion, preaching and pastoral care, then it's doing its job. Mm. Um, but it doesn't have to look like that in person,
2: mm.
1: you know, and this is the thing, we don't have to gather as a large congregation in four walls for that to be church. Mm. So I, I provide community, communion, preaching and pastoral care online. Mm. Um, some people have split services you know if you are unvaccinated or vaccinated or if you're unvaccinated come from home if the church is providing those four things then it is still honoring god it is still following biblical principles and it is protecting people and so what is the problem with that i don't i don't understand this viewpoint of we have to meet in person and on mass for it to be church because that's mm. not actually how the original church started. It was small family groups at first that then became bigger and bigger and bigger and then turned into churches and cathedrals and blah 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 blah. You know, and so why well, can we not
0: You know you know what strikes me? I was talking to like a pastor friend of mine recently, you can tell me what you yeah. think of this like yeah. the concept of human rights is actually quite a you know, ethically it's quite a novel and new idea, mm. isn't it?
1: Oh yeah you know like it
0: only works so much as like you know two nations actually agree you you, we agree these are human rights and we also agree these are human rights and we'll uphold them you know we have human rights debacles you know you know diplomatically today because there are different worldviews and cultural understandings about what we think people humans are entitled to right yeah you think about a like i mentioned you know the history for a reason at the start of the cast right like uh Mm. these Antonine Cyprian plagues like what did the Romans believe the Christians had the right to do? Die and be yeah. know, massacred and to be like, you know, tortured in front of a live audience in the Colosseum. burnt yeah, alive.
2: You,
1: and Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like, that's yeah. your
0: human right. It's like, so yeah. we, human rights are, I believe, a gospel innovation and a providence by Judeo Christian values. Yeah. But we also have responsibilities, which I think is what you're advocating here, right? This yes. be a neighbor. Like you think about these people during the, cyprian into nine plagues these christians are like at personal risk mm. john 15 willing to say greater love have no other than this that he lay down his life for a friend you know, exactly like, they're exactly willing to put their lives on the line to yeah. save and help these people to yeah. be a neighbor right yes mm.
1: now and, and i would say like if somebody had a really really awful disease like say mm. they had the black death all right mm. whatever and they mm. were calling for a pastor i would go because it is my duty and my honor and my calling to Mm -hmm. go i would not invite them into a mass congregation Mm -hmm. to come along because hey you shouldn't be afraid because people who follow jesus Mm -hmm. shouldn't be afraid of illness Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. is such crap like and i have heard that from people i love and respect Mm -hmm. being like anyone who's sick should be allowed to come to church at any point because you know they should be there for prayer and healing and Mm -hmm. we shouldn't be afraid Mm -hmm. the fact is that God doesn't always supernaturally heal people, he that medicine is there to help heal people, and mm. actually bringing them into a congregation when they have a really transmissible disease is totally unbiblical, to my mm. point of view. Leviticus has friggin' hundreds of laws about <laughs> keeping their community safe from people yep. who are ill and all this kind of thing. You know, that's back in the day. Mm. And then, I mean, well, Jesus well, come, theory, yeah Yeah, like, Jesus came to fulfill not abolish the law. He you know, like, he's not saying anybody's allowed and he went out to the sick people and Mm. healed the sick people where they were. Mm. He didn't say and then he told them to go get marked off by their synagogue leaders as healthy so they could rejoin their community he did not say you know what you're sick you're fine just go to the temple and live it up you know like it's that's not how this works and i've heard people also say that protection is not a biblical mandate for churches and again i would say that is crap i would say that protection of life is is a massively christian fundamental ethic that if we are willingly putting people at risk and our congregations knowingly doing so then we are failing in our job as church leaders Mm -hmm. and i think it is disgusting to suggest that we should ignore that because it's not biblical protection isn't biblical i think safety and protection of of vulnerable and of our communities when it comes to health particularly when we have so many more people on this planet with so many more illnesses Mm. we need to take it seriously you know Mm. Mm. now say somebody it's very different if it's a non-transmissible disease so if like you have AIDS or something like that right like uh, you can go to school i believe if you're hiv positive but Mm. it has to be uh logged with the school to say that you're HIV positive, so if there is some kind of cut or something, people are aware, right. so that if there is any kind of blood contamination, people are aware. But yes. there is not allowed to be discrimination against a child for having it being HIV positive. No. No. Okay. If you came no, to my no. church and you had AIDS or you had HIV positive, I'd be like, fine, it's not like you're just breathing the air is going to give other people AIDS. Now, when people mm. believed that that was the case, it might have been understandable for people to be like, I will meet you in your home, please don't come to our church. You know? It also might have been different when internet wasn't a thing and community couldn't be, and and church services and all that kind of thing couldn't be done online. It might have been a little bit more difficult to advocate for separation of of people out of the church when they're sick, you know. But then that's why you have hospital chaplains and that's why you have pastors visiting the sick. It's not the sick visiting the church. It's Mm. the church going to the sick. Mm, Um, So, yeah, so we have... I'm kind of getting all over the place now but so I get I get quite fired up about this because I know a lot of
2: I've,
1: I've heard a lot of people talk about um you know unbiblical churches recently or pastors who are um not being spirit-led they're being people-driven because they are following the traffic light rules or mm. whatever and mm. I get really fired up about this because As soon as we start pointing the finger and saying you are not doing this prayerfully, you are not doing this biblically, because you are choosing to run your services different to what you've done in the past, that is, is just getting into stuck into like, uh, dogma and into not dogma, I'm like, kind of uh, law based, it's law based, Mm -hmm. it's like, this is how we have done church, this is how we've always done church. Mm -hmm. So therefore, this is how you should always do church. And if you don't do it that way, then you're unbiblical. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you point at leaders who are between a rock and a hard place oh, who yeah. are getting yelled at from both sides and saying you are not biblical and you're not doing this prayerfully because they're trying to protect their people? I think like, it's just...
0: I think if anything, like their approaches, this kind of hybrid model that a lot of churches are doing that advocates that they are trying to make the best of a complex situation. Like they're yeah. trying to actually... They're trying their model. best. Yeah, I mean, like I would have been going a long time city impact um, more recently in mm. auckland and you know uh i love that you know one of the things they're saying from the pulpit is just like we just want church to be open we want as much as possible for people to be able to attend church to fellowship in churches yeah. like and so we will do what we can to actually make that possible you know like yeah. um i think that's the important thing that we can agree to disagree around some of this stuff but actually
1: i mean it's also you've mm, got to remember if we're even if we're being cynical Yes, churches get more money from bums and seats because people feel <laughs> more inclined to give money when they're actually in a church building than mm-hmm. if they do, if they're watching a the service online. Mm-hmm. So I really don't feel like churches are going to be trying to push people out of church, no. you know, if we're going sure. from a cynical point of view, like they wouldn't be doing it from that point of view either. But well, I, and I think giving different services, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I started up my church before COVID even happened because people weren't being able to access church. Yes. Um, and so when people start going, oh, I can't access church because COVID and because, you know, I'm unvaccinated, I'm like, okay, but it was your choice not to get vaccinated and that's fine. Mm. But we also have to live within the consequences of that choice. But you yeah. can still access church. You well, are still I, able to.
0: Well, I think it's like, it's an it's a quite a, you know, chokehold view of ecclesiology, right? You know, that it's mm. actually saying the church is this particular cultural product that we've received today. It's like it is a, um a a liturgical ceremony where you know you follow a certain format and you You stand up sit down
1: sing a song yeah
0: exactly but it's like you know and if we go back to the very early days and I know like a lot of uh you know ecclesiologists advocate this it's like let's go back to the early church what were they doing in Acts so it's like well it was very much people orientated and it was was, very much like uh it's the ecclesia right it's the gathering it's the coming together of the faithful um and and I'm sure if they had
1: the internet back in Acts they would have been using it yeah, I'm sure. You know, <laughs> like I'm I'm absolutely 100% sure that the church would have been reaching as many people as they could, wherever mm. they could, however mm. they could. Mm. And and I just think like we have become, you know, we're, the voices that I hear that are saying, oh, but we don't want church to be individualistic and, you know, so therefore you need to let COVID in, I think is actually a very individualistic voice mm. um, because it's saying, I want my right to be able to go and worship how I want rather than going under the circumstances and considering the church's discussions and prayers and decisions we're doing church slightly differently now i will fit within that because i am part of something bigger than myself Mm -hmm. rather than i want it done my way and if it's not then i'll leave
0: that's excellent Um, christine
1: and i think you know we don't go to church just for us Oh. we go for our community mm. and, and we need to respect that community and we need to love that community. And sometimes that means that we need to be worshiping with that community in a different way. Mm. And that's mm. okay. It's mm. okay to do it that way. Mm.
0: Um, well, like one of the things I note, I mean, it's interesting being like in a microcosm, like Kingsway, right. You know, 1500 mm. students, you know, attached, you know, churches and communities, obviously it's a, it's a reflection of Christian culture is what I'd say, yeah. you know, like under a microscope. But I'm I'm disappointed and saddened to ha- actually how, you know, this vax anti-vax thing has divided the Christian community. Mm, so and am I. The world is watching, you know, like it definitely mm. looks at our witness and in, instances such as that. It's like mm. the more important thing is actually unity there. Cause I think it's yeah, interesting. It's, like- um, it's getting like, I want to mention this towards the end, but there's this great, uh great youtube channel by a guy called martin illes he's a mm. i think i'm saying that right he's an australian dude um okay. but he he talked uh, in this particular address called an eternal perspective on the pandemic starts very early on actually saying you know whose weapons are strife and division
2: mm.
0: it's the enemies right it is
2: yeah so it's like Absolutely. if we think about
0: the enemy's purposes for this pandemic mm. that christians that people that you know The world would actually be at each other's throats and actually causing bickering and quarreling Mm -hmm. and actually dividing and polarizing. Mm -hmm. That's definitely playing into the enemy's hands. So Christians, knowing their scriptures, should actually be saying we don't want to play into the enemy's hands. Therefore, what are we missing? Where's the unity that we need to be striving for in such a context as such as this?
1: I mean, what would the world think if it looked at the church at the moment and we all Mm. went, okay, we're not really liking the direction that mm. things are going in, but we will come together and love and support our leaders. Mm. And we will support each other, however, that looks. And if I choose not to get vaccinated, then that might mean I not, I can't attend bodily, but I will still be there every week online on from my living room, you know, like, I will still give where I can, I will still serve, you know, if we were doing that, mm. instead of this kind of like, how do you I want to do it my way, I hate the state, I hate the church, I hate everybody who's not doing it my way. Mm-hmm. How much different would our witness be mm-hmm. to the world? And Amen. I mean, and th- but there's a lot of things that are, so we talked a bit about superstition and stuff yes. in the church around health and things. And I see that um, this kind of, it's a mix of kind of superstition, hyper spirituality, kind of that idea that Jesus will heal everything so anyone should be able to come to church. Um, It's, it's like making God our genie, you know, (laughs) like, if we just say the right things, and we say it in the right way, and we anoint the person with the right kind of oil, then they'll be healed. And I mean, this has been going on for years, like I've had this done for me so many times by people very well meaning people um, who refuse to actually hear what I feel about it, um, you know, who will say, oh, but if you just pray this, or if you don't, you know, if you're not, if you're not doing that, then God won't heal you. Or if you're, you know, you still have sin in your life, so God won't heal you or, you know, all this kind of thing. And it's, it, we're putting it back on the sick people to, to be healed by mm-hmm. God. And if not, then it's their fault. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm seeing that in, in this kind of hyper spiritual, superstitious view of like, well, God will overcome COVID and it's like, well, God didn't uh, God overcame polio Mm. by creating a polio vaccine or creating the person who had the brain to come up with a polio vaccine. Mm -hmm. You know, like, God can overcome COVID Mm. but it might not be by just bringing everybody into the church and praying over them. That's that's not ever how it's worked. You know, like, Jesus was literally one in a million, you know, like, and everyone he touched got healed, and that's fantastic, but, Mm. you know, that's, that's not how it works. And,
2: Mm.
1: and then on top of that, on top of this kind of super spirituality thing, it's like, this idea of being a martyr Mm. is a huge problem in our churches today, this idea of being at war. We are not at war. And we are not called to be martyrs. We are called to be saints. And if that leads to martyrdom, then it does. But we are not called to go out on our little crusades and Mm. be like, I'm going to stand and fight as a lone warrior. You were never called to be a lone warrior. I am talking Mm. to whoever is watching this who (laughs) needs to hear it. God did not call you to be a lone warrior. He called you to be a part of a body. And that body fights for God. Mm -hmm. If you are going against that body then you are fighting against this thing that god created Mm. to be his warrior Mm. you are not the warrior at Mm. that point yes you know now i i do know that the church gets it wrong like i am not saying just follow your leaders because they're all perfect because that is not true as well but what i'm saying is in in very extreme times where there is a lot of stuff going on when you start fighting against the church when there's already bigger issues happening mm. you really have to stop and look at your motivations
2: yes, yes And
1: you really have to stop and look at your biblical concepts and understandings of what mm. is going on mm-hmm. because god has called you to be part of a body that mm. shows love not a warrior to fight your own battles against that body mm. so like i this this and that idea of being the martyr has really got caught up in kind of spiritual circles, Um, you know, Brian Tamaki is flipping boss at being the martyr at the moment, right? So Brian Tamaki is head of Destiny Church. Um, He calls himself Bishop Brian Tamaki. I don't see any authority for him being called a bishop. So I just call him Brian Tamaki. But you know, we'll call him Bishop if I need to, I don't want to cause any issues. Uh, (laughs) But he um, was charged under the Public Health Act for attending COVID protests. Um, which were all anti-mask ones and then he repeatedly breached his bail conditions because he continued to attend protests around New Zealand. Um, Now I had a a few issues around him being uh, restricted from attending protests because I don't know if people like particularly church leaders and stuff should be restricted from attending protests because I do think protesting should be something people are allowed to do in a democratic society Mm. if it's peaceful um and if everybody there is happy to be without masks and get COVID, well then that's their choice you know um and so I I have an issue with the fact that he was charged with that um because in a democratic free society we should be allowed to voice our opinions and and whatever that looks like as long as it's peaceful
0: well weren't the conditions of his bail that if he if he preached basically if he spoke you know if he did a public gathering speaking um after bail then he'd be arrested is that am i correct in thinking that
1: yeah 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 yeah. Mm. so he wasn't allowed he wasn't allowed to attend the stuff and speak and he did Mm. and i personally don't have a problem with that you know like i think Mm. if if somebody is really believes because i think the right to protest
3: Mm. and
1: to be jailed for that protest i think is a very strong Christian tradition, you know, <laughs> like, people have done it all through Christian history against things they think are really, really wrong. And I'm I'm like, cool, you know, uh, he took it upon himself. He took the risk. He went to prison um, or he got fined or something for that. Did he end up in prison?
0: He's in prison now. Yeah,
1: He's in prison now. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like that in a democratic society, somebody can be in prison for a peaceful protest. I don't like that. I also, but I, I also don't think that he's a martyr, which I believe he's called himself Mm. um, for protesting Mm. something like COVID. Now, if he was protesting, something like Christians being rounded up and put in prison, because Mm. of their faith, then I would be like right alongside him protesting and getting put in prison myself. Like I would have an issue with that. Mm. Protesting COVID in a maskless protest when there is still research happening and people are still trying to figure out what is happening in a pandemic situation, I think was foolish. Mm. I think it was incredibly foolish. I do not think it's a martyr situation. Mm. I think he made a judgment call. I think he was stupid. And I think he went to prison for it. I think that's his right. That's his choice. That's fine. It's I think a foolish a, choice.
0: I think a lot of people are conflating like I mentioned earlier like the earliest anti-vax movement, right? It's that kind of conflation of political distrust, right? There's too many new things yeah. happening and so like we're it's all kind of in the same basket and COVID's just kind of like the tip of the iceberg, it's yeah. like, you know, so there are certainly things that as Christians, what this government is championing or, you know, we have
1: serious concerns. We've we're talked concerns about a about. lot. Yes, yeah. we, have. we have. We have concerns. We, on yeah. our
0: cast, we've discussed those yeah. things.
1: Quite and, open about our concerns.
0: And so I suppose, because I, I, I've i seen some of the live streams of, like, you know, um, people at those protests and some of the content and everything, they weren't just talking about COVID vaccination. They weren't just talking about COVID. There was a lot of rhetoric. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's associated with it. So do you yeah. think there's a sense of, I'm just devil's advocating here, you know, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. do you think there's a sense in which he's actually saying it's like, I'm not under trial for that. I'm under trial for all of this. And it's like, it's all spiritual warfare. And the I think, I think
1: you. that's what he's saying. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think he made a foolish decision and made, put his pulpit in the wrong place. Hmm. Um. But then I think that that is happening with a lot of people who are choosing to be unvaccinated. The number of people oh. I've heard for who are unvaccinated, who are saying we are at war um, is quite scary because most of them are Christians. That um, <laughs> I've heard say that. And this idea that we are in a spiritual battle. Mm. Um, Now, I believe that we're in a spiritual battle every day because we live in a fallen world that Mm. we hasn't seen the full return of Christ yet, and so you know we live we live with that on a day to day basis. COVID is an illness; it's not a spiritual battle. Mm -hmm. It is a thing that has has been genetically or whatever scientifically proven to be a thing, you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) and and doing this whole kind of. you know, the, the words I hear all the time, are like persecution, um, segregation. um, uh, It's like the Holocaust I've heard from people, they'll be putting us in camps next. It's Mm. like the rounding up the Jews um, for the unvaccinated people. And like, whatever your take is on getting vaccinated or unvaccinated, that kind of language is not helpful. That kind Mm. of language causes division further and further it pushes people who are unvaccinated and vaccinated further and further apart it pushes churches further and further apart because then people start going well if my church agrees with following the rules of the government then therefore they are also the people who are segregating and persecuting me and so therefore those Christians are persecuting me and I believe in Mm. my stance so therefore I am correct and I am the most Christian and they aren't Christians Mm -hmm. and that's when it gets so Dangerous, yes,
2: yes. Because
1: Christianity is not based on what we feel about our vaccination status. Mm. Christianity is based on whether we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord.
3: Preaching
2: and if it. we
1: do that, then we should be working together. Yes. You know, like this yep. is, and and when you have somebody like Brian Tamaki, who is uh, very popular in in some circles and a very well known Christian face, mm. um, taking that martyr complex. And then you have all these other people going, yes, so persecuted, I would challenge those people to go over to places where Christians are actually being persecuted. Mm
2: -hmm. I would
1: challenge them to go to the Middle East, to some of those countries where Christians get beheaded Mm -hmm. um, and who have to talk about their faith in whispers and who Mm -hmm. are over there being missionaries fighting the good fight. Where COVID is still happening in those countries but that is not their biggest fear Mm. go there and then tell me if your church is persecuting you because they're telling you that could you actually just watch it on internet instead of coming in
2: oh yeah you know like
1: you are still able to access your community you Mm. are still able to access biblical teaching you are still able to access pastoral care you are not being persecuted. I'm no. sorry, but and I get really fired up about this because no. I know some really amazing pastors who are being hammered and being told that they're persecuting their church members and things like this, who are trying their best to uphold the law, to follow biblical guidance and to protect their people. And are being hammered by people who aren't even in their congregations yeah. who aren't even part of their individual conversations who are you know getting other people fired up about well if they're not doing this then they mustn't be biblical and i just think it makes me furious and i think actually that is the more unbiblical thing yes. in this situation yes it's yeah, the well, division that is being caused
0: like um oh what's some verses i came across earlier like uh I'm reminded of, say, like, actually where, you know, James 3, verse 16, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Or Proverbs 10, verse 12, right? Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Yeah. And then, like, you've got instances like uh, Genesis 13, verse 9, where Abraham and Lot were doing quite successfully and doing quite well for themselves. But what caused division? It was, you know, it was the strife. It was this bickering. It was this borrowing, right? Yeah. Or Paul and Barnabas, like, wow, the church yeah. is being established, like the new church, and like, you know, great things are happening. Oh, well, look, yeah. they had some silly dispute that meant they can't work together anymore, right? Yeah. Which is like what was lost because of that, right? Yeah. And like that, actually it's left in there for posterity. Yeah. I'm I'm reminded, right, of actually this point that actually Martin Elis, who I mentioned before, uh, said about talking about this kind of allegorization of faith because it's like we can you know even say for example it's like oh i'm like a martyr i'm you know i'm i'm this i'm that Mm. but it's like you know even in saying like i'm like a martyr even in the bfa statement you're not even saying you are a martyr it's like you're actually allegorizing your experience i feel Mm. like when we have this disconnect about what actually is persecution real persecution and actually uh what our experience is then yeah. we're gonna get into these kind of feeling-led impulse kind of situations, right? Absolutely. M- Martin has kind of put this perspective where um, he used to ask himself if like if I was faced with a Roman persecution, you know, how would I act? I think you know a lot of Christians have considered this, right? If I was like, you know, asked to, you know, recant or die or be burned to life or fed to lions, you know, because this actually happened in Christian history, right?
1: I like to think I would, but then yeah. I probably wouldn't
0: yes I and I I totally understand that like I I, yeah I have no points in my life I thought like 100% I would like I wouldn't yeah I would I would go
1: to the flames laughing you know like it'd be fine praising Jesus all the way I mean I think in those situations God gives you the strength that you need And I think there are probably people who are martyrs mm. who who didn't think that they would ever have the strength to be a master. Mm. Mm. Um,
0: I've I read some baller stuff from like, you know, Fox's Book of Martyrs. They're like, you know, I'll stoke the fire
3: more. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like crazy stuff that <laughs> yeah. they've said. And I like to think that if I was ever faced with that, mm. that God would give me the strength to yes. do that and yes. to to laugh in the face mm. of death and go, mm well i'm about to go be with jesus to do what you want you know mm-hmm. um the reality is is that i am terrified of fire mm. like i hate fire and and the thought of being burnt to death just like is like my worst terrifying mm. nightmare mm. and i don't i don't know if i would i could have done it you mm. know i don't know or if watched my loved ones mm. go through that i don't know and mm. i don't think anyone should be quick to say that they do know yes because yes. i don't think you do you know and i well, don't think that that we can mm. even relate that no. to not being able to attend church in person.
0: Well, like here's the problem, right? That I see, and this is what Martin Eliz was trying to present that like it's a reality disconnect because that's not our experience. Like our question that he says we should be asking is, "Am I willing to put my flesh to death to serve Christ now yeah. today?" Right? Like our question is not, you know, "Oh, am I willing to face a Roman persecution? Would I falter?" It's actually ours is one of are we going to compromise or syncretize faith yeah or are we going to deny or disassociate you know
2: mm. with christianity mm. or
0: are we going to be bigots or are we going to misrepresent the faith that's yeah. that's the 21st century of question yeah. of in our time and our place what do we do with christian faith like ours absolutely is, ours is not the Roman persecution question that's our question for our age actually yeah how do we respond to because those are the crises that we are facing those are the questions that we are facing
1: and and I would challenge people to say okay if if you have chosen to be unvaccinated Mm. then are you willing to set aside your own desire and your own personal Mm. needs to be in your community the way that you want to be Mm. and set it aside and die to self and say okay I have chosen this and so therefore I am mm. choosing to do church a different way in order to protect the people around me and to show them love because yeah, I, like I know, you know, and, and I think that is is dying to self, it is mm. not,
2: that Amen. is a more
1: of a martyr thing to do, mm. you know, is to give up your, your, your going physically to community than to fight against the church that you love for your right to be there, even though you have made a personal choice on your vaccination status, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I'm facing the question around boosters, and if boosters become mandatory for me, and, and uh, will I get it done? And if I don't, then that will have to change the way that I do life. Yes. And that's me choosing that because it is my choice, my health. But then I have to take that to, well, how do I then lay my life down for my community and my church Mm. and my God by acting in a way that is in the best interest of everybody because of my personal choice.
2: Yes. You know,
1: and, and I think people have just got so lost in this and it's just something that's making me really sad and really furious to Mm. watch happening. And, and I think we are doing more damage to the church and our, and our desire to do things our way than we are in actually sitting back and going, okay, well, I've made this decision. Now, what does that look like?
0: Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it was like timely when you had, um, oh, the talk from, um, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield, right? Everyone, mm. everyone who who is in New Zealand is a listener. They, yeah. They've seen the Dr. Ashley Daddy Bloomfield. The Daddy Bloomfield memes. They've seen the mugs. They've seen the shirts. Um,
1: he is
0: our director general of health i think that's the proper title right yeah yeah you know with what happened with the covid uh 19 uh you know pandemic in new zealand he's like been the the public face the government face on actually how we're going to deal with this so he's one he's been the very
1: calming influence he's he's fantastic he's been great
0: exactly right um and, and lockdowns, we logged
1: in every day to hear Daddy Bloomfield tell us that we're going to be okay. <laughs>
0: did you see um, oh, IMDB did like a, it was like uh, they did it talking about the 1pm update like it was a sitcom? And then oh, someone really? made like they made like a friends like, you know, like uh column. <laughs> oh, awesome. Like dun, no, da, I didn't. Da, dun 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 like, Jacinda, oh goodness, dun 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 or like just send it to the sitkins. Yeah, I'll send yeah. it to you after. Oh, you need to send it to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think you need to link it below as well. That <laughs> yes. sounds amazing. Yeah. You
0: got it, fans. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but what's interesting is that uh, in more recent months, he actually did a talk for, I think the 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 organization is called the New Zealand Christian Institute of Science. Um, yeah, yeah, I
1: think it's called
0: that, yeah. Yeah, like I think that's an M- the NZCIS. Because um, he's an
1: evangelical Anglican Christian, isn't
0: he? Exactly. So Dr. Yeah. Ashley Bloomfield, which may or may not have been known to people, was a evangelical Christian, Anglican evangelical oh. Christian. And so I thought his conversation was quite timely because it was around about the time where we were having the vaccine mandates you know, come through New Zealand. And he was basically saying, listen, I'm willing to actually own the fact that, you know, this is my Christian faith weighing into who I am as a person and why I have done the different things I have done at each step of the crisis. Mm. Um, and I'll I'll be honest, in the talk that he gave, there wasn't a lot of, like, well-fleshed out, you know, conversation on theology. You know, maybe if the questions had gone that way or the topics, mm. the, the content had gone that way, he mm-hmm. might have actually fleshed that out more. But it was much more of an advocacy on um works on orthopraxis mm. um you know he started out by saying a central passage for me is james three and actually think about is faith evident in the work that you do and mm. there was a lot of talk about actually this idea of you know for example kindness as a meta value or yeah. um the second greatest commandment love,
2: love. Yeah. love right? <laughs> yeah the second yeah.
0: greatest commandment requiring kindness to neighbors right mm. um that as a meta value it's something that all religions have access to um yeah. and actually this is how we as christians and as a society ought to actually respond yeah i think
1: that's gone i was gonna say that that doesn't mean that you know either you or i for people who are listening to this Mm. that we're advocating that you have to go get vaccinated for your for your neighbor's sake um you know like the choice the To get vaccinated, I still believe should be a choice that is researched. Mm. And I don't like mandates. I don't like something that forces me to have a medical thing done to me that I don't get to choose. Mm. But if I choose not to, I have to then accept that I have made that decision. And therefore, what does kindness to my neighbor look like now? Mm -hmm. Well, it means that if my neighbors a 90 year old woman with breathing problems, I'm not going to go around and say hey to her, I might start holding up a sign over the fence and saying hope you're doing well. Mm -hmm. But I'm you know, like, there's there's a difference in the way that we then show that kindness. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, by all means, do what's best for you and your family by what you believe to be true. But then also be aware that that will change the way that you then express kindness and love to people
0: Mm -hmm. so exactly like um i thought yeah just it was interesting his presentation at this and the timeliness of it it's almost like kind of like a counter voice like you know actually kind of say you know leaning more on actually what he's uh what we are to be doing as christians Mm. and things like, he spoke mm. about the need for leading and humility or, um, you know, this idea of actually the stay home, save lives, be kind message that mm. was being publicized with the first lockdown in New Zealand. How yeah. that was just an essential message and it, like, you know, you don't need to complicate it, actually, if we're going to do the loving thing. It really is the simple thing, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and just like very authentic, I felt. Like, even in the 1 pm updates, I've had that sense of him. Oh, about, he
1: just seems like a genuine dude. Like, yeah, I, I, I? I i just want to know you. Like, you yes, seem like yes. an awesome dude.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, he talked a lot about as well, like the, uh you know, feeling a sense of imposter syndrome or like, you know, mm. doubting himself and like, you know, He's feeling very
1: real. Mm. Yes,
0: yes. And just trying, like, he, he said at one point, it's like, if you tell the truth all the time, you don't need to remember what you said. Was it saying yeah. he likes to? Actually, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mine. Um, he definitely deferred to this idea of faith in yourself and the experience in the health sector as well as good people around him and politicians mm. willing to make these kind of bold calls and that the fact that everyone was in the same boat with the first lockdown, he mm. was actually kind of advocating, it's like, hey, let's just actually make the most of this. My worship to God in the particular mm. role that I find myself, my sphere of influence means... I'm going to be faithful with that which I know, that which I've Mm. been given and blessed with. Mm. And I feel like that's a really good reminder, actually, uh, in our own instances. It's like, well, how would we to respond Um, Mm. as a pastor of an online church, as a teacher at a Christian school, as Mm. a um, person who has faced uh, a loss of employment because of the vaccine Mm. mandates by personal choice? There is a sense Mm. in which actually uh how now should we live and actually if we stand on the strength of our convictions i think there's freedom within the body to do that but not without forgetting love right yeah
1: and i think i think think this if we stand on the strength of our convictions we don't have to scream about it (laughs) you know like (laughs) if if we are if we are happy with the decision that we have made we don't have to then force that decision down other people's throats in order to make that decision right. Mm -hmm. Um, We can discuss it openly, you know, like I've been having an ongoing discussion with my sister who was uh, quite pro vaccines and and everything and always has been. And then I showed her that uh, statement by the WHO, because she has young children. And Mm. now she's doing her own research and things. And it's all Mm. very amicable. We don't yell and scream at each other, you know, when we've had difference of opinions or anything like that. Like, Mm. I think one of the the massive things that I find really sad is this inability to talk about COVID anymore. Mm. um, Because you know, people immediately are like, "Oh, I don't want to talk about that. It it causes too many issues, it creates too many arguments, it gets too heated, you know, um, or you get the people who immediately get fired up and jump down people's throats. And it's like, you can be sure in your conviction, you don't have to scream about it at people to make them change their minds.
2: Mm -hmm. You know,
1: like, that's never converted anybody. You should know that by street preachers you know (laughs) like where it's love love doesn't look aggressive love Mm -hmm. is gentle and love is kind and Mm -hmm. love is patient um and we need to do that no matter what side of the fence we're on um Mm -hmm. and there is so much hate and so much division and so so many comments online about well if they're unvaccinated i hope they die of covid and stuff like that and i just think come on guys like it should still like talk, be a choice
0: yeah let's let's not even talk like you know christian on christian so that's inhumane that's just
1: yeah that's yeah. just wrong you know mm. it's like okay so you've decided to get vaccinated that's fantastic this person hasn't that's their choice mm. you know mm. and that's fantastic for them mm. still you're still human you know mm. like and and we need to be able to discuss this openly and honestly and lovingly mm. we don't we don't need to to shout about it and I think that's something that I think Bloomfield was really big on, was just yes. like, you know, like, if, if you know what's right for you, then let it be right for you without having to be aggravated about it. You know, <laughs> like, and I think that's something that Christians in particular could really learn from, um, yeah. because we, are, we tend to get a bit fired up about our things that we believe, um, which can be good. But also as yeah. the world is watching everybody at the moment, and mm. i don't think it's very impressed with the church's perspective no. on on COVID. you know i think
0: yeah.
1: mm. i think we're a bunch of crazies
0: mm. well i think it's at this point like i want to mention a couple of things that actually you know even keel you know two sides like you know some i want to acknowledge some of the politicization that i i'm aware of in new zealand and you know christine like you know i know you have your own points and i want you to jump in and like we'll go down rabbit holes oh together. you know
2: i will <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> but I, I also want to close out as well on just a couple of things to consider theologically mm. and then just some questions to leave you you the dear audience with because they're questions i'm thinking about myself as yeah. i start a new year and actually think you know what does omicron look like in new zealand right
1: yeah and what do we do with boosters with children and and what do we do with all of this and exactly yeah it's 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 a bit scary exactly like i understand people being Mm. afraid
0: like the interesting thing in the context like new zealand is like it's where i think there's some credibility to the dissenting voice that things are getting so politicized in new zealand everything has like a political overtone right yeah um, and I feel like, you know, this government, this Labour government certainly has evident in a number of their approaches, a policy of centralisation and wanting to consolidate uh, government control. You see it in the likes of, say, the Three Waters uh, bill that's being put, put forward. Um, yeah which I don't actually have so much of a problem with it's because it's like quality of water. Good thing. You know, like actually put it under. I do because Topol
1: doesn't pay for water at the moment and we totally will end up paying for water. Yeah. <laughs> problematic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, we've got one of the major water sources for the North Island. So what is that going to mean for us? True, you know? true.
0: So, problematic yeah. then. Mm. Um, yeah. But like, like, I guess in, in terms of the hierarchy, it doesn't rank as high as some of the other things, right? No, no, like, no, no, it doesn't. No. Like the rapid antigen testing, which is a current thing. Like, um, so Bob McCoskery of Family First put out this uh, campaign, which was talking about a Don't Divide Us campaign, and actually mm. saying, listen, we get the need for the vaccine mandate. I actually thought it was quite even-handed from in terms of Christian advocacy. We mm. get the need for the vaccine mandate. Here is another way to do it without actually people losing their jobs and their livelihoods. Let's yeah. make rapid antigen testing um, necessary, viable, widely, available, yeah. not widely available, because yeah. it has been tested overseas. This is like... yeah." um and so they actually basically said like let's make this available so the government has actually taken that on awesome they're actually making rapid antigen testing available but there's Mm. even been politicization around that the fact that you know well these people who have actually gone out of work they still can't do rapid antigen testing if they've chosen not to vaccine uh, to vaccinate to actually return to work that hasn't actually been ushered in by the government right
2: yeah
0: or the fact that there was a <laughs> nationals been quite good at actually lobbying this at the moment where they're actually saying like um government saying oh there's as many as like 5 million um rapid antigen testing kits in the country Can we get those exact numbers well, um got- 40, there's 50 million ordered there's 14 million due to arrive in the month and they've mm. got like i think 5 million antigen kits in the country but there's been this kind of growing report of actually rapid antigen tests are coming from the private sector so companies that already have them because they're being you know responsible to their employees they're actually trying to say okay we'll work from the system we'll check give you a test to see if you actually can work the government is basically okay we're going to take what you already have mm. and we're also any orders coming in for more tests to your private company we're mm. just actually going to jump in the middle and say like that now belongs to us so it's the question yeah. of the government is saying we have this many rapid antigen tests. It's like how many of those are actually owned currently by you?
2: By you, yeah, by yeah, you.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. that's kind of like coming from a policy of like, let's centralize, um,
2: mm.
0: let's control, right? Um. There was an instance I read about where there was a denial of contracting to private labs. Um. Basically, there was um a quite successful um, private lab called Raco Science, which was actually doing saliva testing for COVID. And they were Mm. working working for the likes of Air New Zealand and like some big profile clients doing Mm. some of their testing. Um, But the government said, no, we're not going to actually, you know, contract with you. Instead, we're going to require all private labs to, we're going to suggest a bill to require all private labs to turn over resources um, Mm. and their facilities. And you have to agree to a price that we set for all mm. those things. Yeah. Um, there is the COVID response bill, which we talked a little bit about in the hate proposals, the hate speech proposals, mm. and mm. the terrorism bill, which also mm. affords certain kind of powers. Um, mm. inter- interestingly, more recently, the children's commissioner, which they're proposing they get rid of, and you can just actually speak <sighs> straight to the government. there's the media being paid don't
1: even get me started on that one that makes me so mad yeah
0: there's the media being paid according to what they say like there's a policy there's there's an infrastructure in place where actually because obviously we're very cash-strapped media Mm and the covid kind of crisis covid kind of situation um Mm -hmm. there's been kind of you know some very critical people have called it effectively a gag order like you know the media Mm -hmm. can only say stuff that's kind of Positive or puts the government in a certain way. They can't say kind of discrepancy pieces, and so it's this kind of overall picture where you see our current governments are very happy to centralise and kind of consolidate rather Mm. than actually like you know let's hear the multiplicity of voices. Let's discern what's best and like what's most effective. It's Mm. really about a sense of like either um, it's either ideologically driven. That's Mm. what the worst I've heard said about it. Or the Mm. best you can say about it is like, they just believe they are no better than anyone else. So they're not actually willing to take things under advisement. And so I say this, I qualify this and give this example because it's like, one, I know there are some Christian viewers watching or listening to this. And it's like, I get it. Like some of your sentiment, some of that anti-political sentiment is actually very, like it's legit. It's legit. legit. We feel
1: it. Like, yeah. we've got some serious issues going on as well. Like, yeah. we understand. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, not to mention that it's like, you know, if we're talking about dissenting voices around the vaccine, like, it, it, it's problematic where actually there's a there's a really scathing article, um, really mind-blowing, actually, just talking about now, actually, you were talking a little bit about this earlier, Christine, there's more and more information coming about the actual vaccines themselves, you know, your yeah. Pfizer and your i forget the other two moderna moderna yep and there's one and, other, and doza indiza
1: uh something i don't know it's not over here so i don't know it <laughs>
0: Gosh, this host doesn't check his facts does it you know <laughs> 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 point being like i see there's more and more information coming out about that they're not as effective and there's actually some serious yeah. concerns about the effectiveness of them you know yeah. which is why people i mean are saying-
1: apparently now they're saying that vaccinated people can actually transmit covid more easily than unvaccinated people which is wild yeah particularly the more boosters you get the more highly susceptible you are to covid and to Mm. passing it on Mm. and that's extremely concerning you Mm know and it's like okay along with all the other side Mm. effects that are are now being talked about particularly like myocarditis and stuff like that so Mm. it's worrying
0: Mm. it's worrying this this article um, it's called The Long Read, Jacinda Ardern Science and COVID Mandates Events, Facts and This, this is
1: an opinion piece, this one, opinion, but you can follow the links in it to uh, roundtable discussions and things that doctors Definitely. are having, so just be aware Definitely. of that. Yeah. Um,
0: this guy, uh, Guy Hatchett, he's a, a doctor Guy Hatchett. He's a statistician and former senior management uh, manager at Genetic ID was a global food safety testing and certification laboratory Um, but it's it's interesting he talks about some of his credentials in the piece and everything and how he actually was kind of invited in some in in a consultancy advisory role to some of the government making decisions around say Mm. the public health response to COVID in New Zealand last year so, uh, and
1: it sounds like he's he's followed the same kind of trajectory as we have, almost yes, like started yes. off being very positive about how the government was dealing with this unprecedented kind of pandemic situation, mm-hmm. and then becoming more and more and more concerned as things mm-hmm. have gone on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a very interesting. It is a long read, but <laughs> it's very it's interesting. Read, yes. Yeah.
0: But I think, um, yeah, like I, it was interesting. Did you? Did you hear about this um this alternative medicine ivermectin? Yes, I have.
1: It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that Joe Rogan talks quite a bit about That's it, which right. is really interesting. Yeah, well, well, I know he a did... lot of people hate Joe Rogan, but I yeah. love hearing an interesting voice. So, yeah. I love
0: Joe Rogan. So, hate no, him. Yeah. <laughs> in, you know, like, yeah. And, well, he he was he was curious that he um he took it himself, um, yeah, he did. and like within say five days was apparently back at the gym, like you know feeling 100 yeah. again. Yeah. And so CNN basically was uh, a. <laughs> They did it like a hit piece, basically saying it's like, oh, he's taking something for parasites and horses, like he's taking yeah. like a, ho- horse a horse dewormer, COVID nineteen, yeah. and he like basically like he had a CNN host on the pod- his podcast yeah. and was saying like, why did you lie? Because like, yeah. you know, like that's that's a not what happened. Lie. Yeah, it was a yeah. blatant lie. Actually, ha- how it came about and what was said. Um, I I just love that he kind of spoke truth to power and kind of called it yeah. exactly as it was. Um, and
1: there is there is research that now shows that there's a state in India uh, where uh, they Andhra have,
0: Pradesh is, I think, the name is. Is it? Have yeah. you got
1: that? Oh, look at you. I'm just yeah. jumping in and stealing all your research. Sure. Um, <laughs> but there's a province in India where they couldn't get the vaccine to these people, and it was being hit really, really hard mm. by COVID, and lots of people were dying. And so they rolled out ivermectin plus some other, um, like, health stuff that was not vaccines um to i think they sent a kit to every family in the region and they pretty much smashed covid Mm. like that it's the rates just dropped like crazy and Mm. they're like a basically a living um experiment that Mm. worked uh without vaccines so it's yeah it's it's interesting when you hear this stuff because the the popular media would say that ivermectin is so bad and it doesn't Mm. work and all this Mm. kind of thing whereas for this very poor uh province in india it worked amazingly
0: and pre-warning if you look up on google ivermectin um indian province it'll come up with a whole page two pages of like why it doesn't work why this wasn't effective like it's you know, so just be aware of a little bit of confirmation bias, you know, if you do want to yeah. do your own research, just kind of be aware. Use
1: DuckDuckGo, don't use Google. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's good, DuckDuckGo. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, because yeah. it's like you, you want to hear pieces that are like even-handed, you know, both ends, yeah, you know, do. like supportive do. and detracting, yeah. right? So you can yeah. make up your own mind about the stuff. Mm. Um, there, there was even an example, I forget, it was it was a Northeastern European country that um, did very few preventative measures, you know. they had a-
1: Sweden? I
0: think it, it was either Switzerland or Finland, but they basically said like we're gonna do very little and then initially their numbers of deaths and cases skyrocketed.
1: I think it was Sweden. I have a feeling yeah. it was Sweden or Finland, one of those two, yeah. like like real North. Yes. Yeah. And they
0: initially skyrocketed and everyone was kind of like yeah. crying and saying, like, see, it didn't work and everything. It didn't work, and then, yeah. And then the numbers dropped off dramatically. Yeah. Because they basically were saying, like, oh, okay, so it's just kind of run its course and we've got herd immunity in the in the population without all the need Mm. of these kind of uh like extraneous measures all these kind of additional measures on top of um so they're interesting kind of in the discussion as a case of like uh you know okay if we don't do lockdowns for example if we actually do kind of like non-invasive measures does Mm. the virus itself just run its course yeah Um, because no one can deny like the economic fallout like in Uh. Then, I worry
1: about what it's going to be for our kids. Oh like, it's yeah. going to be nuts. This mm. lockdown period has been just slammed us economically. But We're I seeing... mean, there's.
2: Uh, go on, go on.
1: I was just going to say. I also know people in the states. Um, I won't say who or where, but they um are in a. I mean, they're they're in a town um mm. that I, uh, and they haven't got vaccinated. Mm. They've had COVID three times, and each time it's like better mm. and like it's just like a flu like they've just you know and like that's most of that particular region has had quite a lot of people have covered and they just are going with it you know and it's not been a huge issue so
0: yeah I've heard that that's some of the conversation around Omicron right that they say mm. actually like because it's more transmissible but it's not as like It's not
1: as deadly. Like, this is the thing that people are like, I've seen so many reports of like, Omicron, oh no, it's coming to New Zealand. It's like fear mongering to the days. Mm. When you actually look at the death rates over in the UK in particular, Mm. they are nowhere near as bad as with Delta. Mm. And most people have a bad cold. And that's Mm. it. Mm
2: -hmm. And it's
1: like, there's so much fear mongering in the press because fear sells. And we mm-hmm. need to be really aware of that. And I, I know people who avidly read the news every day to find mm-hmm. out what's going on with COVID. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, it'll be slanting your views on mm-hmm. what's actually going on in the world. And I would say, get off your normal websites and go read stuff elsewhere that has different opinions mm-hmm. um, and follow those rabbit holes, you know, like actually look into where are they getting their information from? Because mm-hmm. it's a lot of it is just blatantly False, like it's just wrong, and and everyone's freaking out about Omicron, and I'm like, actually, it's like the least devastating of all the waves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let it come, like it's mm-hmm. fine, like yeah.
0: This, if anything, it's like a, it promises like a return to some kind of normality, right? <laughs> like,
1: well, yeah. yeah, and and I mm-hmm. kind of think you know they had said to us, "Off, oh, we get eighty percent first vaccinations,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then we'll open the borders, and then it was ninety percent, and then it was ninety five, and we hit mm-hmm. all those markers mm-hmm. with New Zealand, we mm-hmm. hit them all." Mm-hmm. And then they were like oh omicron's coming so now we need to get boosters and we won't open the borders until we've got over 80% of people boosted. Well we're at 60% and they're not opening the borders and it's like at well what happens with the next variant? Are you going to keep doing this? Like we're a country that relies very heavily on tourism and imports yes. and exports and things yes. like that. We're a little island country. Mm. This is screwing us up. Like this mm. is going to really have a devastating effect and mm. we need to open our borders to survive. It's and like, I understand the fear, but it's at some point they keep changing the goalposts. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like it's definitely like again. There's that economic fallout of it results in a, a rising cost of living. You know, like obviously our housing housing market is just shambles. You know, uh, ridiculous really prices. Uh, but you know,
1: building materials, it used to be way cheaper to build. Yeah, like we're looking at just building a fence in our back garden, and it mm. is like tripled in price since we got yeah. a quote a year ago. Like it mm-hmm. is nuts for building materials, and we're a country that lives off like we supply wood to the rest of the world. Yeah, there will be domestic but,
2: as well, right?
1: Yeah, and so it's all but the export prices are pushing up all the the internal prices, mm-hmm. and so everything's becoming way more expensive, mm-hmm. and it's the poor families that are really being hampered by this, and so. Yes then you know they they people say oh the government isn't forcing you to get vaccinated or whatever but actually it's the people who cannot survive without their job that do not have a choice as to what they're putting in their bodies. That is coercion because they mm. have to get vaccinated to be able to feed their families. Mm-hmm. And and so they don't even have a choice anymore in what they do. And that is not okay on in my book. Like everyone should mm. be able to have the choice. And if you financially cannot make that choice your choice is taken away
0: yeah that's true that's true it's i mean we have with covid because it was going to affect all countries in these kind of ways anyway but we have yeah. increasing unemployment um we have yeah. you know with the lockdowns last year there have like tens of thousands of businesses in new zealand that have just disappeared forever like yeah you know people... not
1: even to mention domestic violence stats and things mm-hmm. that are just like going below the radar and you just mm-hmm. think of all those families that are in stressful situations already probably not fantastic and those mm-hmm. kids that school was their safety mm-hmm. and they were stuck at home with their mm-hmm. abusers mm-hmm. and and it's just
2: yep the and wealthy, the mental health
1: impact that it's have had yep exactly
0: yeah. and it's and like a it lot just... of people
1: have struggled with mental health because of mm-hmm. lockdown like, it's it's horrific
0: it's just kind of a perfect storm of like just terrible circumstances and it's like yeah I don't envy our leaders, which I mean like a, definitely no. advocates a Christian response of like, we should pray oh, for our government yeah. to make yeah. good choices, to yeah. actually be, you know, not tunnel vision, but actually like we're going to hear from the best advice and we're going to actually seek yeah. you know, what is um, the best decisions in different situations. But
1: I'm sure they are trying their best. Like I don't, I don't hmm. believe that our, our leaders are being vindictive or nasty Hmm. or doing this with a laughing. You know, I believe Hmm. that they are trying to do their best with the information that they are being given. Hmm. Um, Hmm. I just wonder what is that information that they are actually being given?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: That's the big question for me. Oh,
0: and we didn't even mention like the MIQ. Right. Like, you know, manage isolation, quarantine, like, um, Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, this, what has been called online, a 1,500 a month lottery. Uh,
1: Where famous people, people can get in.
0: Oh, people were, like, so incensed when, uh, yeah. was it James Shaw of the Green Party? He yeah. went over to, like, a, to Europe for, like, a, a climate change conference. Important. Yeah. Politicians should be able to do that. Yeah. But when he came like you know even that was like a little bit uh, but it's like okay mm. i personally don't think this problem came yeah. back and was shortened on the amount of time that he had like uh managed for isolation
2: yeah
1: Well,
0: by the way he had, had one of those 1500 spots just so happened that one of those 1500 spots yeah it just and, was
1: there yeah. come yeah. and go
0: easily that um had shortened time and then was told oh you don't need to be in the facility. you can just do like isolation at home you can actually just- yeah. The people which everybody
1: were. is like what the heck how come he gets to isolate at home and no one else is allowed to like
0: exactly yeah exactly it was a total like you know oh like different standard for you know the people in power basically um yeah some people were talking about oh you know Jacinda had had to cancel her wedding it's you know so oh, sad she's just like one of us but some people have said well it's kind of like virtue signaling because you were getting know, Lord, to come into the country to come and perform at your wedding. Yeah. And she just happened to get an MIQ spot. Yeah. But just
1: amazingly that, opened up. Yeah. Amazingly,
0: right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Or, this one I'm like less, you know, I'm less of a problem with, but like this idea of these property investors that were willing to offer, sign a pledge that they would actually invest $10 million into New Zealand, that mm. they actually got kind of like a priority in the, MIQ mm. that they could actually come mm. into New Zealand as well
1: yeah but then they're overseas people who are buying up all our housing and then causing the housing market crisis that we're having as well so it's kind of mm. like well do we want them mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly
0: and but then- yeah I do yeah and then you yeah, have the problem of like there's only you know it's been publicised in the news a number of times. There's only 200 ICU beds, right? Like a uh, intensive care unit beds in the be- in the country. It's like in
1: the whole of Lakes District, which is where I am, mm. right? Which is Rotorua, Taupo, Tokoroa, mm. um, right down to uh, like it's like the whole Central Plateau lakes right out to the almost to the edge. You know, like mm. um, we have four ICU beds. Are you
2: kidding me? Four. Yeah
1: four and so if anything happens basically people get sent up to waikato or to auckland Um we have four icu
0: beds will they have 10
1: or they yeah maybe yeah they (laughs) might be in a hallway instead of out on the street um but they have it that hasn't changed since the beginning of the pandemic there hasn't been any more money put into making more icu spaces there Mm. hasn't been any more nurses trained up there Mm. haven't been you know that is Hugely problematic to me because mm-hmm. they've had two years
2: yes. to yes. to
1: pump money into that sector to make sure that if anything did happen, it would be okay. Um and so this whole like, oh, but there wouldn't be enough ICU stuff, so we don't want the hospitals to get overloaded, you had a chance to fix that and you didn't. And so like, that's and on you. Like <laughs> wasn't, and then
0: wasn't Grant Richardson, he's like, you know, with this hundred and fifty million dollars plus that they've actually had in the budget for COVID nineteen, it's gone to all these kind of like you know, subsidiary things that have nothing to do with COVID. Like, uh, yeah, it's
1: yeah, it's gone to very bizarre places.
0: Yeah, so yeah. it's like you know, wouldn't you want that to go to ICU beds? You know? yeah, <laughs> kind of. A- I
1: mean, I understand a lot of the money going into bailout. Businesses and stuff that have needed it, like, and I respect. Yeah, I respect that they were doing that. You know, Mm. particularly our tourism industry, like they have Mm. needed a hell of a lot of help over the last little while. Mm. But to not be pumping money into ICU and into mental health Mm. um, to is just majorly dropping the ball, Mm. Um,
2: Mm.
1: and that's that is really concerning because it hasn't actually changed the issue Mm. at all. Mm. So if another pandemic happened. Would be in exactly the same situation Mm. when they had the chance to actually sort it out for the Mm. in this pandemic and to give us another hundred beds or whatever, which is still ridiculously low for Mm -hmm. New Zealand. But Mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, it's they've dropped the ball. Mm -hmm. They've dropped the ball. They started off with a hiss and a roar and they've gone and dropped the ball.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly right. So it's like I give we're giving that context, both of us here, to actually say like we understand that sentiment that it's like what's our government doing this is really frustrating because it's like yeah that needs to be validated to actually say like well a christian response needs to take into consideration when there is ineptitude or is there is you know not the best courses of actions taken that could have been taken right yeah um
1: and you can you can say that stuff Mm. without being divisive you know like and i think for me the big thing is unity within the church like being speaking out against politics that is our right in a democratic society to say you've dropped the ball and i am not okay with this you know which I, as a
0: christian being in a democratic society you are afforded that right to be able to exercise that
1: exactly so they recently they're having a mental health um overhaul of the mental health act at the moment mm-hmm. and i have put in uh, a submission of my thoughts mm-hmm. on on mm-hmm. it because you know i've been intimately involved with the mental health uh, sector for mm. many years for many different reasons and mm. um you know and so i have a lot of insight into that and yes i know that they're dropping the ball there you know and yeah. so i will be strong worded in that but mm. At the same time, I'm not then going to turn around and Mm. take all of that political frustration into my church and start attacking people who Mm. don't agree with me, who are saying that the Mental Health Act was fantastic and the mental health system is amazing. I can have a discussion with them, but I'm not going to cause division over it. And I think that we need to have that same kind of mentality when it comes to COVID, which is a lot more emotional for a lot more people. And we need to be aware that we can speak out truth to power yes. without then turning around and dividing our communities
0: mm. it's like I, I love the the both andness of scripture because it's like you have the book of colossians which is like total political theology and propaganda it's like oh the way they're talking about jesus in chapter one is like the way they talk about caesar so this is yeah. like this is a revolutionary statement like you know this yeah. is political dynamite
1: and yeah. then you have
0: him like, that's Romans... going to
1: get them killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you yeah. have
0: in Romans 13, like, pray for those in authority. Like, yeah. Pray, absolutely. pray for those who actually make right decisions. So there's actually yeah. a sense of, you know, we're in this world, but not of it. Yeah. That's always been the case, you know, within yeah. our Christian belief. There's, there's this advocacy of we want to pray for them because mm. they're in a difficult position being mm-hmm. in that situation. Like, and yeah. And kept... you can
1: speak truth without hate. Yes, you know, so like, there's a difference between attending a protest about something and then threatening to blow something up, you know, like, there's, yes. there, there's those are two very different stances, mm-hmm. even though they might have the same end goal. And mm-hmm. it's like, how, how are we expressing our frustration? Mm-hmm. Are we doing it in love? Mm-hmm. Are we speaking to power in a way that is still uh, honouring the Mm -hmm. people in power, that is still respectful of them and the the information that they have that we don't have, Mm -hmm. but is also saying you need to hear us as Mm -hmm. well,
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you
1: know, and we are not in a country that has a a dictator that we need to fight against in order (laughs) Uh for human rights to be seen. Jacinda is not not demon possessed. She is not the devil. She (laughs) is not Hitler. She is a, a young woman. Um, my age, you know, who is doing her best to lead the country through crazy, crazy times. And we do need to pray for her. And even... probably
0: fair based on a lot of her decisions, I think. That's my yeah, opinion.
1: I think so. And she probably is is getting so much more information from so many different sides. Yes. If you feel confused, how confused must she feel? Mm. Um, you know, have compassion for mm. her, even mm. as you are saying, I don't agree with what you're doing mm. here. Mm. Um, because there's there's nothing you're you're going to be heard a lot more Mm. when you stand and say it in a place of love and say you know i i really want you to get this right for us jacinda Mm. then if you go i hate you burn in hell you know like that's not going to get through to anybody that's just going to get shut down yep
0: yep like uh In terms of our advocacy, um, I'm going to give uh, Christine a quick little pop quiz. (laughs) No, okay.
2: uh, (laughs) Because uh, it harkens
0: back to where we actually started with this podcast. Um, I'd love for you to tell me, who do you think said this? Oh, Lord. Uh, Who do you think said this? Um, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us, then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated, and thus inflict and pollute others, and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what he has expected of me so that I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid avoid a place or person that will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. I
1: like it. Someone incredibly wise who (laughs) said that. Oh, um, are we talking? Give me, give me like early church, middle church,
0: middle church. church. It's not middle recent. Church. That's that's the surprising thing. I
1: wouldn't have thought it was recent. I would have thought someone like Saint Francis of Assisi or something like that no, would be something like that. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a monk or <laughs> or someone like that. You know who who huh. was Christian but facing a plague.
0: This was our dear old Martin Luther.
1: Ah, there you go. This. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. Not and a monk. We, yeah, and <laughs> we talked about the plague, right? We talked yeah. about. That was what he was facing. Yeah, um, he was t- talking about the situation where actually, in his own lifetime, he refused. He he faced the plague. He refused to flee Wittenberg. He stayed to minister to the sick. It even yeah. cost his own daughter his life. Um, and he yeah. actually even later wrote a work whether Christians should uh, flee the plague. So there was this consideration. Actually, he understood. Actually this being a neighbor to lay down your life for another that is the greatest show of love because yeah. jesus has done that for, for us you know that is a christian response here and i think an exemplary mm. one at that absolutely um, even uh, john Calvin faced the plague on five different occasions throughout his life um and very similar kind of response um mm. he sought to care for the people of the, of the city during the days of the bubonic plague um and they
1: very rarely agreed on anything luther and calvin so you (laughs) know
0: (laughs) Hmm. um it's interesting that actually in both their responses just have some notes right here uh his priority was to make sure that the word of god continued to go forth the pastors Mm -hmm. in geneva preached christ to those they were around and calvin preached many funerals which led to many people being saved though Mm -hmm. it may have seemed like numerous plagues would hinder the gospel In a similar fashion to the first imprisonment of paul in rome the exact Mm. opposite was true calvin through each wave of his life as he was confronted by the plague he continued to minister yeah which i think puts an interesting point right um i mentioned martin illies before in his uh message before Mm. he quotes from job and how satan was allowed hasatan was allowed by god in that narrative to Mm. cause the Chaldeans and cause the Sabaeans and cause the whirlwind to actually gut Job of his, his life, his community, his livelihood. Um, And that actually that was, he was allowed to do that according to his purposes. Satan was allowed Mm. to do that according to his purposes.
2: Mm.
0: It kind of puts then a perspective that actually, if that was allowed by God in an instance, God must've had a more supreme purpose beyond And I think that's a sobering thought when we think about this pandemic, when we actually think about all the bad, all the terrible that has actually happened associated Mm. with this. God does not will evil, but he can bring good about through it. And I think there's a question of actually, while we're in these two worlds. We're both in the world, but not of it. Mm. We're actually in eternity right now. We are seated alongside Christ. You know, we Mm. are in heavenly places, Like it's the way he pitches it in the particular presentation is like heaven isn't up there and we're down here. It's more like heaven is around you. The kingdom of God is within you. Heaven Mm. is the presence of God and the relationship of God. Mm. That sobering sacred reality actually gives us a sense of like, what is God's purpose in this pandemic? And what is the church supposed to be doing? What are we frittering away our time thinking about and focusing on? That isn't about the causes of King Jesus, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: he advances this idea, like this is probably a conversation for another time, but about like, are we under a kind of judgment that this is happening? Right, that this, yeah. this society falling away as it is. That's
1: a very, that's a very common, historically very common way to go yes. when when things like this happen is to go, is God judging us? Mm. Um, I personally are on the side of. I think illness just happens, mm-hmm. um, and I think that it is the 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 reaction of the church within that mm. is is the mark of of what God's work is doing. Yes, you know. Um, I, I don't i personally i personally don't like the idea of god using illness to judge the world mm. um i know that there are biblical precedents for that but i don't i don't i don't know it just doesn't sit well with me so i kind of just mm. ignore it um,
2: yeah.
0: he, he kind of qualifies it more in terms of not that the pandemic is the judgment but that actually the kind of society we've inherited uh, yeah. The kind of social dynamics, the cultural things at play, yeah, um, kind of like you know uh, an exegesis on the Book of Judges, right? For example, yeah. where we actually yeah. see like not the pandemic, but the kind of things that we have at play and the kind yeah. of responses that we are having to the pandemic yeah. and how Christians yeah. are behaving during yeah. the pandemic.
1: I mean, I think That's God definitely, definitely uses these situations to mm. strengthen and to build his church and yes. also to whittle away his church sometimes yes, yes. um it definitely sorts out wheat from chaff sometimes but it mm. um I think that yeah it's it's our response mm. to God's work in that you know mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. and and so for example like I mean I was thinking about that that quote you just read Luther's quote and mm. You know, one of the things that I have done in my community, and this isn't to toot my own horn, this is just something that I decided to do, is even though I'm vaccinated, I have gone, there's a Facebook page for uh, unvaccinated people in Topol, and I have joined that, and I've joined the Voices for Freedom group to say I am a pastor who is willing to come into homes if, if you need somebody, um, and your church isn't available to do that, you know, um, because I feel that that is, we need bridges, we need to fill those gaps where yeah. people are starting to go, well, you know, you're on that side and I'm on this side and how do yes. you, to actually be like, yeah, okay, so I'm I'm vaccinated, but I'm still here with you in this and I still mm-hmm. respect your choice mm-hmm. and I still think you're human and, you know, I hope you don't get COVID, but I'm here for mm-hmm. you. And and I think that is really, it's it shows how far individualism has, has seeped into mm-hmm. our theology mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when we are unable to do that.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and we start pushing our own way of doing things as the right way. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really dangerous. And I think Mm -hmm. it shows hugely uh, for the West, particularly at the moment, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. how far individualism has gone Mm -hmm. to where we look at it and go, well, it's about community. And it's like, is it?
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Or is Mm -hmm. it about you at the moment?
0: Well, it's like, I think like your your advocacy there is like it's again thinking about actually what is our response? What is our individual response, mm. right? Because I think, yeah.
1: but not even individual response. What is our response as to our a communities?
0: Church? Yes, forgive yeah. me. I'm not. I'm not wanting to just. I'm not wanting to take away from you saying. No, no, no,
1: but like, so if yes. we're part of a church that has decided to go in a certain direction, and we have committed to that church, and we have have said we believe in this ministry up until this point, you know, like. Is it our own individual desires that is pushing us away from that ministry? Or are we going to get on board and go, okay, I don't like this. It makes me a bit uncomfortable because I would prefer to do it a different way. But I am supporting this ministry because I believe in these leaders who have supported me, who have worked with me, who have given me pastoral care and support for however many years I've been involved in this. And so therefore I will support them back, yes. you know, and I will support this church back because they have given so much to my life. And, yeah, and yeah. that I think is about putting it our own lives down for our our body our local body mm, you know kind um of
0: altruistic trust hey
1: yeah because yeah. you know like as as a pastor i put mm. a lot of myself into you know the work that i do with other people you know i i i pour myself out for other people and and i like to think that they trust me enough to come to me with their problems. So therefore, they would trust me enough if mm-hmm. I if I made a decision that they might not like, that mm-hmm. they would trust that I had prayed about it, and I had mm-hmm. done Bible study, and you know, because mm-hmm. they had trusted me in other times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I like to think that they would support me
2: mm-hmm. if
1: I made a call that they were like, well, I'm not sure what I think about that, but I'll support you until I've done enough research until I think you're a uh, flaming heretic or whatever, yes, you know, yes, like, yes. that they wouldn't just go, no, I don't like it. Like that, They would trust me a little bit. And I think Mm. that shows a real lack of trust Mm. and a real lack of love towards our leaders Mm. and and our churches. And I I think that's really Mm. sad.
0: Well, I feel like because that elevation of actually God's in control of Mm. all of this, yeah, all of this, even in the seeming chaos, even in the disunity, God's actually in control of that. Yeah. That's a wildly confronting and just like sobering thought, right?
2: yeah
1: like
0: it's it's the yeah. idea that actually leaders um will have to give an account of their actions and it's better yeah. that they give it now rather than later it's <laughs> yeah. it's better that the you know the politicians that we disagree with actually go you know what i was wrong and yeah i, I want to learn from that and actually i bend the knee to king jesus because he's actually yeah. the best hope for this world and then yeah forms their policy and informs their yeah. actually their way they actually live out governance yeah because all of us have that kind of space right And I think what belief do we have of God's sovereignty and our due due, due diligence that Mm. we have done everything we can do Mm. while still seeking to be righteous, right?
1: Absolutely. I I think, like,
0: it's that parable of the wicked servant, right? Like, we need that last day's thinking that actually says, you know, we should be the busiest we've ever been if we really think Mm. Jesus is just about to return. Yeah. We're going out yeah. there evangelizing. We're going out there spreading love. We're going out yeah. there trying to do as much as possible to advance yeah. the kingdom. And if like, yeah. pan- the pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic is a part of that, like then we actually need to be more busy, more about actually getting into yeah. the word and actually getting that to what actually yeah. Christ is requiring of us than not, right?
1: Yeah. And um, I think we need to not double down so hard on our own views. Yes. Um and, and actually, like, if we truly believe that Jesus is coming back mm. soon to claim mm. his bride, mm. then we really need to be part of that bride. You know, like, I, I did not used to be so big on on community and the body and the bride mm. and all this kind mm. of thing until I actually started realizing how much it's in the New Testament in particular, you know, and in the Old Testament, the elect of God and like all that kind of thing. I'm not a Calvinist, but, you know, like that whole kind of there is a people of God. and mm. And I think if we truly believe Jesus is coming, do we want to be found fighting with that bride mm-hmm. or do we actually mm-hmm. want to be part of that bride, supporting it and growing it and loving exactly it, you know? It. And yeah.
0: What's well, like, I think like in terms of our human engagements, we often think too much of the human humanity side of Jesus thinking like, you know, but we also think like this God in control of history as it is right now, like revelation one, again, Martin Millers, he gives this idea of like, we have this colossus, he has seven stars in his hands and is like, mm. his his appearance is like the sun, so that you can't even look at him properly, and his eyes are like mm. like bigger than anything you've ever imagined, incomprehensible mm. and mm. and John is so overcome, even as a believer in Christ, that he's like, mm. he fears that he's dead, right? Mm. Like, um, in the same occasion, this um, Martin Millers, talked about um, Christopher Hitchens' brother, Peter Hitchens. Mm. Christopher Hitchens was the famous uh, atheist um, Mm. thinker of the 20th century, um, of the Four Horsemen fame. Um, Peter Hitchens was his brother, and actually not a lot of people know, a a strong believer in Jesus. Oh, wow. And so one of the things um, in one documentary, uh, he apparently describes his conversion story where he was working behind the Iron Curtain in Russia, Um, leading up to the fall of the Berlin Wall and he was in this particular cathedral and he saw this church about the coming day of the Lord and on this particular painting this fresco painting there was this person in the corner who was so overcome with fear at seeing Christ's return they were throwing up like they were they were like like vomiting yeah and so Peter Hitchens looked at that it's like if this is true and that's really happening that's me
1: that's me right now absolutely and he gave his life
0: to Christ right then because it's this idea of like if we really believe that Christ is in in control and that vision of actually isn't just like an allegorized, Oh, super spiritual reality. So therefore not real, like, no, like Jesus, this is the judge
1: of the world
0: is the judge of the world. And he's in control mm. right now. And actually the, the mode of operation that he's wanting to do right now is in the midst of all this seeming chaos, mm. and wanting mm. the church to be church, wanting the bride mm. to be faithful, wanting us to follow the same commandments that haven't changed. Mm. Be love, you know, be salt and light, mm. represent me well in the world. Like they haven't mm. changed up until he returns. Mm. Then I think it's like we ought to be busying ourselves with that and be ready for when he does come. Right? Heck yeah. The the questions I want to ask myself and leave all of you guys with, you know, this question again about are we causing division or are we seeking unity? Are we causing strife or are we fighting for causes that aren't actually our kings? Are we praying prayers of repentance for our society and our world? Are we seeking to live out the kingdom of heaven is within you? Are we compromising and forsaking Christian living in our sphere of influence? And definitely related to the political angle, are we praying for our leaders that they would come to know Christ or that yeah. at the very least they would make right decisions? Their authority comes from above, if we're to take yeah. actually Jesus' own words yeah. um, at face value. And I think like that's what we've actually got to remember, actually. With COVID-19 pandemic, ultimately our king is in control so be ready for when he returns
1: yeah Mm. absolutely absolutely
0: Mm. well dear friend uh this has been great yeah a lot of fun
1: yeah (laughs) Um, as always
0: as always i'm i'm really hoping that people can gain something of blessing with this, and even if we actually have the unity and diversity disagreements and arguments in the comment sections yeah it's good Because that's how I think actually Christ sanctifies his bride also.
1: Yeah. I mean, I am all for theological debates. Like Mm. I'm all for people like iron sharpens iron, you know, like debates are good, but you can still be kind Mm. and you don't have to be nasty and you don't have to vilify the other side. Mm. Um, So if you are debating in the comments, feel free, go hard, love it, want to read it. but be kind, and mm. and remember that the person on the other side is probably trying to faithfully follow Jesus just as much as you are, um, and that doesn't mean that you'll come up with the same result at the end necessarily, mm. but that doesn't mean that they are not Christian or that you can uh, mm. vilify them for having a difference of opinion. Mm. Um, yeah, so just their, keep that in mind.
0: Who has their... Uh own vaccine mandate choice they've had to make or someone who's died from covid or yeah uh, you know a loss of life or a loss of employment you know like they've had all these same dynamics that we ourselves actually had to form an opinion form a response on the basis of absolutely so that should season our actions with love and with grace i think
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and you're you can disagree with us completely and mm. we're okay with that we have mm. thick skin but you know still remember that we're humans as well you know you know, things. <laughs> things. You know we've, we've we've had to come to our decisions through our own life stories and things like that mm. so you know um i know it's it's easy and on the internet when you're not having a face-to-face discussion to say uh whatever you think without really thinking about it deeply mm. um just be kind be kind mm. be loving be gracious
0: mm. amen mm. um dear friend you want to pray to close us out
1: absolutely I can do that Jesus thank you for this uh, podcast for our listeners um, for Jared for the opportunity to be able to come together and to discuss um, quite difficult topics at times um, to look into history to be able to see uh, your work and your hands throughout uh, the church And it's life um, to be able to hear the voices of people who have gone before us and how that speaks to us today, even though our situation seems very different. um, There is truth is truth wherever it is to be found. And we thank you for the opportunity um, that technology and, and this world brings to be able to bring people together and to be able to speak to things when we are far apart from each other. Um, Lord, I ask for your blessing over all of the listeners um, that whatever you need them to hear from this podcast, they will hear, um, that we will open discussions and that it will bring about um, deeper thinking and and perhaps change in hearts if that's what's necessary um, and yeah, a, a way to start conversation as well and particularly with a topic that can get quite heated for people at the moment. Lord, we pray for our leaders, we pray that you help them make wise decisions that ultimately you bring them to yourself and that they worship you and praise you in all the works that they do. Uh, but for if they, they don't come to you, we, we ask that you um, surround them with people who can speak truth and wisdom mm. to them. Um, mm. that they are surrounded by people who will faithfully pray for them and uplift them before you at all times. Mm. Uh, Lord, we pray for this country and the division that it currently faces. We ask for healing. Mm. Um, we ask for uh, an end to the pandemic as well, but we mm. ask for a, a um, community of love and of mm. grace mm. Um, and a heart to, to reach over to the other yes. and to hear what the other has to say. Excellent. And Lord, we pray for our churches, We pray for unity. We pray for strength in a time where uh, things are getting a little bit difficult. Um, We pray for church leaders. You have placed them there. Um, You have. We ask for their wisdom as well in this time, and for them to be surrounded by people who will pray for them faithfully. Also, Mm -hmm. Um, please bless our listeners. um, Bless this country. Bless our leaders, and let us go forth in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Oh, what an easy prayer to amen, Christine. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: how I do. It's how I do. <laughs> hey,
0: till we see you again, listeners. Bless you guys. Um, look forward to seeing some of you in the comments. Bring yeah. that flame war. can't wait.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, ano.
0: God bless.